So in this town, there's no overnight uh, street parking. And I think part of the idea for that is that, uh, you know, overnight, the overnight hours, you know, if the police are patrolling, they want to have a clear view of, uh, you know, the sidewalks and the houses and everything. And, you know, so if there's a bunch of cars parked on the side of the street, it gives the ne'er-do-wells perhaps the places to hide. I think that was one of the reasons for it. But anyway, some people, like, we are blessed here with having plenty of, of parking space. We have a long driveway and could fit lots and lots of cars. But other people are not so lucky. Like our neighbors across the street, they only have two spots that they could possibly use. And uh, they had a third car. They had a third car. It was uh, just temporarily. And apparently, you know, you can call the town or there's some sort of online form that you can do to get permission to park overnight, which I used to have to do it uh, when I used to live way back when the origins of the overnight escape, the first place we lived in these garden apartments, you know, those brick buildings, two-level two brick buildings, garden apartments. And the parking there was murder. It really was. It was insane. A lot of times you could not find a single spot. So there was like a cul-de-sac where you could park, but you would get ticketed or towed by the town, but you had to contact them like, listen, could not find a parking space, and so whatever. You can call them and get permission. Uh, so our neighbors asked us, oh, do you think we could park behind your cars? And I just had to move one car up a little bit. We have two cars now, and uh, we're like, sure, it's a neighborly thing to do. Of course, well, you can park here. Uh, so uh, then it was snowing. It was snowing overnight. So by the morning, there was quite a bit of snow on the ground. Not that much. I mean, like an inch or two. You know, around here, we have had very mild winters uh, when we first moved in. So the winter of, of 2020, kind of like before, right before the pandemic, early in the year 2020, there was a lot of snow. I had to do a ton of shoveling. Then after that, a couple of years, was almost nothing. It was great. No shoveling I had to do. This year, though, they, they said the old farmer's almanac was predicting a lot of snow. Somehow those farmers know. Uh, and uh, so already we've had two snowfalls. Each one has been really not too much, like an inch of snow. The first one was no big deal. Uh, it was uh, easy to shovel. This one, I, I was going to wait till a little bit later because it is still, what's going on now is like a freezing rain, but uh, I think it's forming a crust on top of things. So I kind of wanted to get it, get it going before everything like got frozen and tomorrow is going to turn real cold. It's going to be like 10 degrees or 15 degrees or something, so. Anyway, I uh, came out to do my chino shoveling, and I noticed that my neighbors had uh, done a lot of shoveling because their car was covering up the top part of the driveway, and then they had to shovel it to get out. So that, that's, a little, that's always the hardest part right there by where the driveway goes out into the street. That's always the most, whatever, for whatever reason, the hardest part to, to shovel. So I don't have that to shovel. So, And uh, it's, it's, there's sort of like a... Uh, maybe a millimeter or two of ice on top of some pretty soft snow, and I was able to uh, do phase one. I, 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 like to, I like to just do do some and then take a break and have a cigar, or a cigarillo in this case, and do some recording. Then I'll do some more shoveling. Don't want to overexert myself. Now, come on. It's weird, though, on the walkway that's going from the porch to the to the sidewalk, it was weird. There were some parts in the middle that seemed dry, like like underneath it had dried. It's so weird. 
I guess because of the ice or something. It didn't make any sense. It was like dry patches, and that was that was kind of weird. And then the letter characters, you know, the mail the mailman comes. I know they like to walk without having to go back to the sidewalk to go to the next house. They like to walk over, but I don't know. I think I'm not going to clear that part off because it's not necessary. The letter carrier can decide if they want to walk through snow or just go right back to the sidewalk, which should be completely cleared in phase two. Or not. I said, well, there'd be a phase three. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's a Tuesday. Yesterday was Martin Luther King Day, so it was a three-day weekend. And, uh, well, it was some weekend. This was a wild weekend. Um, on Saturday, I had, like, this burst of, of creative energy, and I... Uh, did a lot of stuff. I mean, I uh, created uh, what I call uh, the Unsug Radio patches. The first one, Unsug Radio uh, archive previews. And that was sort of like a long time coming. And it was very similar to stuff I've been doing in the recent past. But as I, I'm going to discuss it. This is an idea I've been kind of struggling with for years and years. And it's the first time I really ever truly implemented it. Not to say it's going to be a big thing, but it's just... Uh, anyway, I'll have to talk about that a little bit later. That was huge for me to actually do that. And then I actually... Um, um, you know, maybe because of this wave of creativity I was hit with, I I, I uh, made huge progress on continuing my uh, my work of poetry known variously as Superior, Think Fang, White Chalk Revival. has many different names. It, it, it's currently it's currently under it's at thinkfang.com t h i n k f a n g dot com. It's this this series of weird little poems that I that stretches back to like the nineties, maybe even the eighties. And um, <clears throat> back in two thousand seven, yes, two thousand seven, quite a long time ago now, since it's twenty twenty four now. I had written something about how. Uh, Maybe uh, the nu- the total number of these poems should be, was it 1,254, which is 209 times 6. And um, apparently then in, like 10 years later in 2017, I brought brought it back with this uh, Y-Chalk, W-H-Y-C-H-O-C-K. Y-Chalk was kind of, kind of meant like, you know, like chock full of nuts, you know, like... Uh, it, you know, it'll be chock full of poems, but why? Like, what's the point of this project? This project is kind of pointless, but so why chock it full? So why chock, you know? It was a why chock revival. Um, so I started that, and then that kind of uh, f- fell off, and I, I think I did one in 2021 and a t- couple in 2022 and a few last year, and then somehow it just came roaring back, and I wrote on that day, on that Saturday, I wrote like, 10 poems or 15 poems, and some of them are really good. We'll get to that a little bit later. This weird burst of creativity. Not only that, but I made up a palindrome, yes. Uh, there's a Somehow there's a subreddit of palindromes. I guess because I was, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that pagoda palindrome, a dog, a panic, and a pagoda. So I was looking it up, and I found that there's this, uh, right, a dog, a panic, and a pagoda, yes. Um there's a subreddit on Reddit for palindromes, but it's like only you can only post pa- like the only thing you can post is palindromes. Even any comments have to be palindromes, or else they're deleted. So I thought it was a cool idea. So people just post all these new palindromes all the time, and I I made one up. We'll get to that a little bit later. You'll hear what palindrome I made up, and uh, it's a good one. 
and uh, it's an interesting thing. And I also, at the same time, I like discovered this band called Transglobal Underground, and I was like obsessing on this video for their song "Looky Here," you know. And uh, it was a wild day. I mean, so much happened. Um, you know, you got to strike while the iron's hot, as they say. So we'll get to some of the specifics of that stuff a little bit later. Then on Sunday, uh, d- my wife Denise and I, we went on date night in New York City. Can you believe it? Yes. Uh, last year, not this year, but last year into 2022. These 2020s are getting so confusing. This is the fifth year of the 2020s. How did, how did that work? Because it was 2020. That's when everything, the whole pandemic thing started. Then there was 2021. Then there was 2022. And then there was 2023. So that's four years. And now it's 2024. So this is the fifth year. The fifth year of this whole 2020s thing. You know, It could still be the best decade ever, as I predicted before it started. Though the first four years were not that great, actually. And if you, if you want to take an aggregate, I mean, obviously a lot of cool stuff happened. But in aggregate, maybe it is so far... The 2020s is not the best decade ever, right, <laughs> thus far. So anyway, so we went on date night. Uh, so in 2022, my sister-in-law Carrie got my wife Denise for her birthday a gift certificate, gift certificate for this vegan restaurant in uh, – yep, no problem. <laughs> Thanks for shoveling. <laughs> the guy that shoveled. Um. This place called Avant Garden. It's down in the East Village, so it was on like Avenue A and Sixth uh, Street, that kind of area, right by uh, the Tompkins Square Park. Not an area I, I I would usually hang out in too much, but if there's a, there's like one company that owns like a ton of vegan restaurants all around there. It's amazing. So uh, yeah, we got there a little bit early. It opened at five, so we we stopped by this little bar. <laughs> We're like the only people in there. Then a few other people came in. I had some Guinness at this bar, like this weird quiet bar. And this woman came in, and she's like, um, "She's like, I was here last night, and and uh, did you? Uh, <laughs> is my purse here?" And they look at the, some of the. Oh yeah, here's your purse. Apparently, this place gets pretty wild at night, Saturday night. It's on. It's like uh, where, where was this place? Between like sixth and seventh, I think on uh, on A. It was called. I forget what it was called Saint. Augustine, or it, that's not Saint Dionysius or Saint D- Diphus or something like that. Anyway, and she's like, "Oh, good, you got the purse." And uh, oh, did you find my wedding ring? She's like, "When I was in here last week, I lost my." Wedding. So who is this? She's like losing all her stuff in this place. This place must get wild at night. Everyone's losing everything. Wow! And <laughs> there's all these jars full of various knickknacks that they were looking in for her wedding ring because I guess people lose so much stuff there. I don't know. It could be maybe. Could it be the newer generations are less uh, vigilant of their own their personal possessions when they're out and about? You know. Cause I remember when I worked at that financial marketing company, and we wanted, we were doing research. This was a long ass time ago on Twitter about people's views on debit cards. You know, as opposed to credit cards, like debit cards. Uh, you know, and uh, every other post was like, "I lost my debit card. I lost my debit card." These, pe- these this is a long time ago. People were like. The only thing they're posting about how they lost their debit card, you know. I don't know. Maybe growing up when I grew up, you know, I'm Gen X, born in '67, so we were. I'm very uh, personally strict about making sure I have control of my personal items. 
But that may not be a value that's taught to these newer generations. So uh, she, she lost her wedding ring, but she got her purse back. You think she would have learned the first, the first week when she started losing things at this place? <laughs> anyway, yeah, so we went to this restaurant, Avant Garden. Very cool place. Yeah. So we, we were there right when it opened at 5, and they opened the door. And you go up these stairs, and it's sort of dimly lit. It's a really cool space. And the cool bar, I got a drink called the Trilateral Commission. Wasn't that like back in like the mid-century? That was like a big conspiracy theory. Instead of the Illuminati, they're like, oh, did you hear about the Trilateral Commission? That was like the Illuminati back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, this it had like miso and it had all sorts of interesting stuff in it in this drink. Really, It was really good. And then we got, uh, yeah, like a, a really good salad and, um, <coughs> and then some... Uh, some mushroom toast, I think. This stuff was really good. Really, really good. And uh, I got a paella, a vegan paella, and Denise got, like, sort of roasted carrots. It was really good stuff. Really great. So then, when we were done, I recommend this place. If, if you're in, it's, it's not cheap, obviously. So we had, you know, our gift certificate almost covered it, but didn't quite cover it. Which led to a little bit of confusion with all the various receipts and everything else. It's just I had, I had one receipt and then another receipt and then a third system of receipt, but I had to make sure to tip on the full amount, not on the leftover amount. Except, you know what I'm saying? you got to figure all that out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, then we walked up to Angelica East. It's a great little movie theater there on, uh, it's on 12th and 2nd. It used to be a Yiddish theater. If you look it up, uh, Angelica East, it, it, used to, it opened in 1928, which apparently was somewhat... What is going on out here? It's like sleet now. <laughs> I gotta get to phase two. I gotta get to phase two with my shoveling. I'm doing. <laughs> I think I, I think I'm ready. But I, let me just finish this thought, and then we'll then I'm gonna do more shoveling. Because is this if this is freezing rain, it's gonna be all ice out there now. What the hell? Anyway, this theater, Angelica East, used to yes. Yeah, so it opened in 1928. And you can see a lot of uh, Jewish motifs, like in the ceiling, stars of David's and things. So apparently. On that area, it was a, I guess it was a big Jewish area, and it was like a, a Yiddish theater, a theater in, in, in the Yiddish language. But apparently 1928 was towards the end of that particular genre, and so this theater kind of didn't last so long as a, as, as a Yiddish theater, and over the years was different sorts of theaters, movie theaters, and everything else, and, until eventually became Angelica. So we actually saw it in Theater One, which is the original theater. That's the exact same place where I saw... Um, a number of months ago, I saw 2001 A Space Odyssey in 70-millimeter film print. What an amazing experience. And I sat in the same seat that I sat to see 2001, which is uh, N12, and then Denise was next to me in N11. But it's like a, a, a long climb up. I'm like, no, it's so cool sitting in the back. And she's like, really? We couldn't go a little... <laughs> we have to go all the way. It, it's very steep seats, you know. It's this old theater. It's very quirky. Yeah, so we went there to see this movie called uh, Poor Things. Now, um, I heard about this movie. How did I hear about this movie? I heard. I, d I really didn't hear very much about it. And um, Simon from Nevada, from the channel here, he posted about a week ago. He's like, I saw this movie in the movie theater. You have to see it in the movie theater. Not seeing it, it it's, it's like watching Pulp Fiction at home by yourself. You got to see this in movie theater. So I'm like, this sounds like it's pretty good. And I and I looked, I didn't want to know anything about it. I didn't watch a trailer. I didn't watch anything. I just saw starring Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo, and it has something, it's sort of a science fiction thing. 
And uh, so I'm like, I don't want to know anything about it. I'm going to go in and try to see this movie without any preconceived notions. And, and that rarely happens because especially now you're going to go see a movie and you kind of research it. Is it worth going to see and stuff? You know, the one I remember was way back in like 95 or something when I was, went to that wedding for my girlfriend at the time, uh, Carrie, Carrie, her brother. And then it was at Marstown. It's like this complex headquarters plaza. And uh, <clears throat> I wound up having a fight with her. And so I stormed off. And there's a movie theater there. So I went to see just any random movie because I wanted to cool off because it was – I was very annoyed. And I wound up seeing a movie called The Usual Suspects, which uh, – and having zero un- – un- background in turn. I had no idea what the movie was and if you've seen The Usual Suspects great movie it was one of Kevin Spacey's first uh, big movies where he was a real big breakout star as, Kai, uh, as, a, as a verbal kint I'm sorry no spoilers verbal kint jeez that was a bit of a spoiler but th- that movie has, was that 30 years ago almost 30 years ago it's a good movie though um, I know subsequently he got cancelled for his various um, <coughs> activities alleged activities but who hasn't gotten canceled by this point? You, you go back and see these movies. How many people are now now canceled? You can't even oh separate the artist from the art. Blah blah blah. blah, 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 blah. Do we come? Come on, man. It's come. It's just such a drag. Anyway, um, so we went there, and this movie starts, and it was amazing, an amazing experience. Especially not knowing anything about it. this movie is one of the best movies I've seen in recent memory. It's a fantastic movie. I can't believe I've, I haven't heard more about it because it's definitely in that art house movie kind of genre. It's definitely not for the general public. It's kind of like an art film, you know, which I love that genre. But um, and just so you know, I want to I want to encourage everyone to go see it. And I'm not going to say anything specific about it right now. Later on, I'm going to I'm going to give you a warning if you want to not get any spoilers on this movie. But it's a great movie to see without any preconceived no without knowing anything about it, really. Uh, Emma Stone is the star, as I mentioned. And just to be aware, the movie's R-rated, and it's a hard R. It's probably really up, uh, touching the edge of NC-17. It, there's, there's a lot of adult content, which uh, apparently has upset a lot of people who went to see this movie that uh, they weren't expecting that. So just know that it, this, it may not be – this movie is not for everyone, even though I would give it like 5 out of 5 stars. I'd give it a 10 out of 10. I mean I think this movie was fantastic. Uh, but it's not for everyone. Definitely not for every. I, I, some people can't handle that kind of stuff. Though I felt it was not gratuitous, and I think it was all in service to the themes of the the movie. Anyway, I'll talk more in more detail about this movie. But I do encourage everyone to go see it. I, it was one of the best movie going experiences I think I've ever had. Such a great movie, and it was so great not knowing anything about it. Um, so yeah. You know, take the opportunity now while it's in the theaters, and I'm sure it'll be on streaming in a few months, whatever. But uh, yeah, it really reminded me of like I just not too far from there. I remember going to see. Uh, did I see Blue Velvet? No, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I went to this movie theater uh, on. Uh, was it on McDougal Street? No, not McDougal. No, no, on um, West Third Street, maybe or. Anyway, it was right around the corner. For, it was right between Thompson and LaGuardia. The Grand Union was over there. It was this basement movie theater, and I remember going there with my college girlfriend at the time. 
think it was, yeah, Shannon, maybe. I didn't have very many college girlfriends, but anyway. We could we had to choose between Blue Velvet and True Stories, both of which are amazing movies, though I think Blue Velvet wound up being a more important movie and perhaps a better movie than True Stories. So True Stories, the Talking Heads movie, was fantastic as well. Uh, but I like when I first saw Blue Velvet, I, I don't remember exactly when I saw it, but seeing Blue Velvet for the first time, it it was sort of a similar experience. Just weird, disturbing, but v- extremely well done and amazing. And I also remember people being really against uh, Blue Velvet. I remember my one of my film school teachers called it leering pretentious garbage, you know. <laughs> uh, which you probably, someone could say about this, but I wouldn't say that. Uh, anyway, I'll, we'll talk more about it later. Now I have to do some more shoveling. Ah, <coughs> uh, yeah, I think there will be a phase three here, shoveling snow. Yeah, I finished up the sidewalks and the driveway. And, uh also cleared off the two cars. First time I've had to clear two cars to clear snow off. Second car was my father's car that I inherited when he passed away last year. But I'm glad I did because you could tell it had that hard ice exterior, but underneath was soft, wet snow. And if I waited till tomorrow, man, it's all going to get frozen because it's going to be frigid tomorrow. Remember that line in Fargo, the movie? Looks like it's going to turn cold tomorrow. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, I'm glad I got the... uh, I'm glad I got the... uh, done. But phase three is going to be the salt. So I have have a feeling the salt is all caked up, so I'm going to have to, like, jab it with that... uh, Hopefully that car... Yeah, I have the the car cleaner thing with the brush and the scraper. Hopefully that'll help to (coughs) break up the salt. (coughs) I've had that salt for a few years now because I uh, haven't really had much since 2020. And it's much snow or ice or anything. But, yeah, I think I really I, – I, I'm going to need it because especially it's still – it's actually back to snowing again. It's not supposed to stop till like, later on in the evening. So a little bit of ice, a little bit of salt should be good for the ice. This is, this is pet-friendly salt because a lot of people walk their dogs up and down. So I want pet-friendly salt, yes. Yeah, the last few movies I saw in the movie theater were kind of disappointing. I asked my wife, like, what was the last one we saw together? She's like, we went to see uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. What a turd that was. Oh, my God. There was a mixed opinion on it. Like, a lot of people were like, it was it was fun. Like, no. If you're making an Indiana Jones movie, it has to have it has to have some point. If it's that bad, just don't make it. You know what I mean? There's there's no need for another Indiana Jones movie unless you come up with the best script ever. This was horrible. And then, more recently, a very sad uh, cinematic disappointment in The Boy and the Heron, the the, the Miyazaki film from uh, Studio Ghibli. And, uh, well, it's not a bad movie. It was not great. And definitely, as, as Jefferson said on the exit ramp not one of his best <laughs> yeah though it won a ton of awards it had this record-breaking uh box office take which is great it's great it's great it's just you know i remember go seeing uh his movie spirited away in like what 2001 blown away by that movie 
and a very similar theme in that movie. It's just so much better than Boy and a Heron. Japanese title, How Do You Live? Wasn't that a, wasn't that a lyric in like a, a fix song? How do you live, dog? What song is that? The fix are so good. You don't ever hear anyone talking about the fix. I saw them what a year or two ago in uh, Times Square live. What song is that? How do you live? Oh, come on. All right, I found the lyrics. Here's how it goes. Heart of stone, I tried to reach you. <coughs> of the altar stone, I tried to warn you. But you were not alone. You wouldn't take the call. You wear brimstone. I tried to warn you. Always the same desire. After the tone, they try to storm you. You are a voice alone. And who dares to question? Forgotten at home. How do you live with? Do you wear brimstone? Give me the call. Always the sign is fire. I'm being drawn by the heat. Always the same desire. Hot. It goes on like that. It's a song called The Sign of Fire from the Reach the Beach album. Which is which was their second album, and their first album, Shuttered Room, is fantastic, and it it seems to have never appeared on any kind of streaming service. Whoa, what's that? Someone's whistling out in the cold. I don't know. How do you live with? Yeah. Anyway, so it was fantastic to actually go see a movie, a new movie that was so good. I feel like in general, like, movies are not quite as important to people as they used to be. Obviously, it's all about streaming and video games, but movies really used to be something that you would talk about and everyone was cared about so much. You know? I did. I do. I went to film school, for God's sakes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... All right, it should be time now to uh, see this thing. Uh, there's a company called New Wave Toys that makes uh, miniature arcade machines, I think, at 112th scale. And this far, I've completely resisted buying any of these things as it's a tchotchke dust collector, as cool as it is. it actually They actually work, you know. Dragon's Lair, Ghosts and Goblins, etc. Recently, remember, they said they were going to release vending machines, but they were like cigarette vending machines, not like a cool snack vending machine from the 80s, if you may recall me talking about that. So they just sent out an email last night saying that they're going to have a new line of uh, pinball machines, miniature pinball machines called uh, Replicate Mini Pins, and uh, it's supposed to be uh, 11 Pacific, which is 2 Eastern, and it's now 241. So when we go to newwavetoys.com and get the scoop on these pinball machines. Hmm. So it looks like they're doing a black hole. Black hole pinball. But how does it work? Is it actual pinball? What, what, is, what is going on with this thing? 
Black Hole Pinball. Uh, you know, Gottlieb Black Hole. $389.99. What the? Whoa. That's sticker shock. That's an eye-watering price. Now, wait a minute. What is going on with this thing? Oh, that's the twin. Ah! Ah! Ah, God. My, my cigar, like, fell. Like, burning everything. Do you dare? Oh, that's a two-pack. Okay. Just It's just the two of the set. That's maybe why it's so much. Do you dare to enter the black hole? Twin pack. No, I, I, I don't. Twin pack. Can you just buy two? All right, let's. All right, the the one is one ninety nine ninety nine. It's a little bit more. I don't know. I, it's just black hole's not a pinball machine that I get particularly excited about. But Replicate Amusements, in collaboration with Gottlieb, are proud to present Black Hole times Replicate Mini Pin. The Criterion Pin. Ah, sorry, I keep dropping everything. The Criterion Pinball Collectible. Limited edition replica black hole pinball machine miniaturized to one-sixth scale. Height one foot. Jeez, this is huge. It's much bigger than their other scale. Mini pins are non-playable, but do feature many interactive functions, including attract mode, coin-op action, super attract mode, one-to-four player simulated gameplay, match play with knocker and neon vapor black light cabinet illumination our goal is to continue innovating to add more features and functions as the mini pin line evolves over time what that seems pretty big one sixth scale and you can't even play it and it costs two hundred dollars i don't know what's up with that yeah i don't know i think i'm gonna pass on this one yeah if it was a cer- if there certain pinball machines i'd be more excited about like you know something like uh if it was like, you know, uh, roller games or a diner or something like that, you know. Well, diner would be tough to do these days because it, it uses some mild stereotypes in, in its humor, which isn't so mild anymore with today's sensitive individuals. So what are they saying here? It's a foot high... Five inches wide and nine inches long. Jeez, man. That's attract mode. Coin up action. Insert mini coins to add credits. Super attract mode. One to four player simulated gameplay with all the sights and sounds of a real black hole action. Okay. So I guess, like, you can't play, but, like, it, it functions like as if it's being played. What's up with this cockamamie idea? You can't play it? Uh, yeah, yeah, no. So what is it? it just, I guess it's just an attractive object. But yeah, for me, Black Hole is not the one. I guess if this is the first of many, if they make one that I'm excited to buy, you know, I, I might get it. But Genesis, maybe? I don't know. I don't know if I'd want Genesis, but that's kind of cool. Actually, that's (laughs) slightly related to uh, the movie. (laughs) The whole Frankenstein thing. Remember Genesis? We had to build Frankenstein from Gottlieb. Or was that that, that when they were known as Premier? Premier Pinball. Yeah, this is not for me, this thing. No, no. Now, okay, we can pass on that one. Pass on that. (sighs) Dear God. Yeah. 
Oh, I do want to just mention quickly. I, I already mentioned the movie Fargo. Now the TV show, right? Uh, season five, and I, I've seen a few seasons of this. I think I saw one, one and two, and it's an anthology show, so it's a totally different story each time. So you don't have to watch the other seasons. I think I missed a few seasons. But anyway, this season five, which I believe is finishing up tomorrow, today being uh, Tuesday, January 16th, so tomorrow, the 17th, 2024, uh, it's finishing up tomorrow, the 10 episodes. This has been by far the best season of this show. It's utterly fantastic. What an amazing show. So well done. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, John Hamm, and what's her name who plays the main character? I don't really, I don't remember her name, but Juno Temple, maybe? It sort of pops into my mind. Uh, everyone is so good in this. And, uh, yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee has a, she, she modeled her accent after William F. Buckley Jr. It's amazing. <laughs> I know most people these days don't even know who William F. Buckley Jr. was. But he, but he was this guy who sort of, he, he, had, he was like this conservative political commentator guy. And he had this uh, show called Firing Line and, he had this bizarre way of talking, and, you know. He was, like, super intelligent. He used all these words. No, no one, you know, like, knew the definition of these words. He was so smart. and uh, But he took, like, uh, mid-Atlantic English. I, I, I can't even do it properly. We have to, like, play a clip of William F. Buckley Jr. <laughs> He's quite a character, so a good person to model your, your, spe- your talking after. Let's see. Because most people are just, oh, yeah, you know, that sort of Minnesota talk, like from the original Fargo movie. Let's get a little clip of William F. Buckley Jr. <clears throat> and apparently, like, his, his uh, you know, his siblings didn't talk like that at all. He's just like a weirdo. <laughs> But I guess if you're going to go on TV, you have to have like you have to have a sh- you have to have your own personal thing that makes you unique. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Let's see if I can find something here. Yeah, then I better go in because it's freezing out here. <laughs> I'm just taking a break before I do my salt. William F. Buckley Jr. Let's see. What, did I lose it? Oh come on! It's just just to get some. Just, how about firing line, you know? Come on, I do, we just need to hear something. <coughs> what is firing line, like a firing squad? Uh, what is this? How about Brett Easton Ellis on firing line with... How, how William F. Buckley tore down Summer of Love liberalisms? Oh, come on. I just, this is ridiculous. I need videos. Here we go. Okay, here he is uh, with uh, Groucho Marx as the uh, the guest. <laughs> he had everyone on this show. Groucho Marx was going on every one of these talk shows back then. It was amazing. Where is he? Oh, yeah, I was, I was watching the Mad 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 Comedians from Rankin Bass. He's on there, too. Apparently the real him was on this. It was like 1970. It was real old. I didn't get to that part yet, though. All right, can we fast forward here? Where is he? I read, I read Mr. Marx's uh, book, and 
a couple of his books, and I've seen all, all of his movies. I think that um, he does his best to, to make the world uh, funny and, and occasionally... That's William F. Buckley, obviously. But it does seem to me that there is a, uh, a, a, a strain of something going through your last book, for instance, all of those letters that you write to all of those famous people and that you receive from all those famous people. Uh, and that theme is something very close to misanthropy. It's related to the whole notion that everybody would like to say goodbye to their uh, wives, uh, that the world doesn't appreciate you, uh, that the no, world I is never sort said of a, a perpetual uh, ambush. No. Um, Pardon. That's a French word, isn't it? Yeah. It is. No, I, I never you. said the world uh, doesn't treat me. Page well. 108 from your book. The only reason my appearances are <laughs> rare, and this is something I don't usually disclose, is because nobody asks me oftener. That sounds to me pretty plaintive, doesn't it, to you, Mr. Chairman? Yes, it is. Yeah. I am essentially a very sad man. Yeah, so why do you ask me if this is a humorous world we're living in? Well, because uh, you've... De- <laughs> a couple of uh, very interesting people talking to each other there. But you know, that, that way he's talking. So yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee and Fargo. And uh, yeah, the, the actress who plays Indira is so good. Everyone's so good in it. And it's just... This season is wild. It takes place in 2019, and it you know it, it uses the same thing for the movie, saying it's a true story, though even though of course it's not. And um, this one, it, it takes the plot of the movie, and there was never a season of the show that was so close to the plot of the movie, and yet it's so close yet so far from the movie. It's wild how they did it. Uh, <coughs> it's 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 really wild because. Uh, it's like they took the movie. It's it's like this season is almost like if you just watched the movie Fargo, which is from what mid nineties, and you had like this bizarre dream about it. Like that would be kind of like the nature of the uh, this this season. Like like you you, know, you remember uh, Peter Stormare uh, played Gare Grimswood Grimsford Gare Grimsford or some kind of character like that, uh, and then <laughs> he was a guy who <laughs> along with uh, Steve Buscemi were the kidnappers. So they've created this new version named Ola Ola Munch, who's sort of like, sort of like the Peter Samari character, but it's like times a thousand. <laughs> it's amazing. So, it it you know all ten episodes will be done. It's on Hulu, I guess. But anyway, I strongly recommend Fargo season five and the other seasons. I don't even know. I mean, there was the one with the UFOs, and I don't know. Listen. The one with Todd from Breaking Bad and uh, what's her name? Uh, Kristen Kristen Welch? No, what's her name? Uh, you know who I'm talking about, the red hair. Kristen Wig? No, that's someone else. Kristen Dunst. There you go. That's who it was, yeah. And the guy from uh, Breaking Bad. I don't know. I, I can't say that any of the other seasons of Fargo left that much of an impression, but this one certainly is. It's so good. It's so worth watching. All right, I need to do my salt now and go inside. The hell! I've been out here for like for for so long. Been out in the cold. It feels warm out here now. I guess because of the if you have physical activity, you feel warm. It's a bit later on now. Yeah, the salt was uh, solid, like cake solid. So I went down to the garage, and there were two more. One of them seemed a little bit looser. I guess because they've been in there for years, because we haven't had any of these uh, conditions, and. Uh, I got a piece of, uh, it's like a snap together something. It's like a metal, like a metal rod. 
So I started like bashing it in there and it was working. I had to sort of really put a lot of elbow grease in there to kind of loosen out the salt. And uh, I got some salt on there, probably not enough, but uh, but it's kept snowing a little bit. So you could see the patches. I got some salt and some where uh, I, I didn't get enough. But well, anyway, I'm, I am watching the mad, mad, mad comedians here. It's, it's really not good. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's no wonder it's never been made available in any form, I guess, since it aired in 1970. There's a, this a bootleg copy. Um, but yeah, I guess they, this part they're recreating a, a kind of a um, Marx Brothers uh, ske- sketch about Napoleon. And uh, it's just... Uh, doesn't really. It may not really translate very well, but apparently this was the real Groucho doing it. I find my sword. I must go and get him. You promised to wait, but you can't depend on those Russians. There's my sword. Ah, there's my sword. Farewell, my queen. Gaston, I thought you were never coming back. Won't you please play for me? It's Harpo. But yeah, it, it starts off with a whole... <coughs> um, Flip Wilson comedy routine about Christopher Columbus that's a bit ponderous and then you have uh, George Burns and Jack Benny and Jack Benny refuses to pay the toll at a bridge because it's too expensive and <coughs> it's like but the, <coughs> there's some interesting like uh, like nightmarish scenes of these various celebrities like laughing in between these things this is quite a uh, quite a weird it's a TV what? special. Who's been here? I have. Alone? Alone. Remember, you can fool some of the people all the time. And you can fool some of the people all the time. But you can't fool some of the people all the time. I just made that up. Lincoln stole it from me. Someone's been here. Ah, he's a harp. Tis my harp. You think you can stand there and make a meal out of Napoleon? You think it's fun being Napoleon? How would you like to be Napoleon and stand like this? Laugh track. <laughs> And apparently they uh, they uh, use the Japanese animation company to do all do all the, the work. Come out, come out, wherever you are. It's Chico. Paul Freeze is doing the voice of uh, Chico and Zeppo, I think. Hey, you got the wrong swine. Take that off, I know you. How many fall in? Right about face. Forward, march. Napoleon, what are you going to do to them? Look at them down there. Yeah, so that's about it for that. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll finish watching it. George Jessel is in it, someone that I... He was also in that um, uh, that movie with uh, <coughs> Anthony Newley. Uh, Can Hieronymus Merkin ever forget Mercy Hump and, Hump and Find Happiness? That's a good movie, and I, I believe George Jessel was in it playing... Did he play God, I think? Uh, yeah, the present. So yeah, he was like God. And then uh, Milton Berle plays plays Satan. <laughs> it's awesome. The movie is uh, almost impossible to find. I have a copy that I was able to download off a Russian website a, a year or two ago. Um, <coughs> yeah, I, <coughs> I haven't been doing much uh, you know, research into Newly lately, but... I know I'll go through another Newley phase. Anthony Newley is so fascinating. And this movie may be the turning point, which is it's, it's from 1970 as well. 
and uh, without without really getting into it, he uh, it's like a movie within a movie within a movie, and he's sort of playing himself, and he uh, the character in the movie really wants to do a song about how he wants to uh, have a what he what, how he terms it a child lover. And uh, the people in the movie were like, no, don't do it. Don't sing about that. No one wants to hear about that. It's wrong. And it's like, no, I must. I must tell the world of my feelings. And yeah, that didn't go over very well. And um, uh, Joan Collins, who he was married to at the time, played his wife in the movie. In the movie, she leaves him because of all this stuff. And then in real life, she left him because of all this stuff. It's a very good movie. But it's again, it's almost impossible to find. But uh, Ken Hieronymus Merck can ever forget Mercy Hump and find true happiness. I saw the R-rated version, not the X-rated. Uh, it's fine. I mean, I don't think the X-rated version is really in circulation. I think they someone taped this uh, late night off of uh, Bravo or something uh, on TV. The copy I have. Um, yeah, this is from nineteen. 69, 69, okay, yeah. Um, but George is in both of them. <laughs> He's one of those guys that, like the Marx Brothers still may have some, like Gen Xers like me would know who they are, but the younger kids are not going to know who they are generally. <coughs> the film was a commercial and general and generally a critical failure. Vincent Canby wrote in the New York Times that Newley so overextends and overexposes himself that the movie comes to look like an act of professional suicide. The movie is as self-indulgent as a burp. It's also as pretentious as its form. The movie is not so free and loose as it is simply out of control. The Sunday, I'm sure I read these before, but the Sunday Times Guide to the Movies on Television, Angela and Elkin Allen asked, can Anthony Newley ever remember that he is just a pleasant light comedian and settle down and earn an unpretentious living? Jeez, man. Mike, Michael Billington of the Illustrated London News wrote, the kindest thing for all concerned would be that every available copy should be quietly and decently buried. And Rex Reed, who's still around, apparently he's still he's still around. He's still writing reviews. Rex Reed also savaged it. If I'd been Anthony Newley, I would have opened it in Siberia during Christmas week and called it a day. Wow! And Roger Ebert's review in the Chicago Sun Times, on the other hand, praised the film's ambition. It is strange, wonderful, original, and uh, not quite successful. It is just about the first attempt in English to make the sort of personal film Fellini and Godard have been experimenting with in their very different ways. It is not as great as Eight and a Half, but it has the same honesty and self-mocking qualities. Collins later cited the film as contributing to her divorce from Newley. In 2006, the movie won a reader's poll in the Chicago Tribune as the worst movie title ever. Yes. Yeah. And interesting, it mentions Roger Ebert, because I'm watching a movie that he, not that he reviewed, but he wrote this movie. It is, uh, I'm watching too many things. I, I, I have to tell you everything I'm watching at once here. I don't know how I get into this process of, I start watching something, then I start watching something else. So obviously I'm watching The Mad, Mad, Mad Comedians. 
Also, this YouTube video called The Lost Art of Cable Television. I'm watching the World Jigsaw Puzzle Championships. And this is interesting. It's uh, Attack of the Dock. It's a 2023 documentary about a show, a cable TV show on G4 called Attack of the Show, right, with Olivia Munn. And I don't know if I watched it very much, but now that time period, 2005 to 2010, that kind of time period, is now, like, very retro. And it's very interesting. I'm watching that. They both dressed up as uh, French maids and jumped into a giant pudding pie. Yeah, I think they did. I can turn anything into Ah, shut up with these commercials. I'm also watching... uh, the skatebirds there's a i've been sort of obsessing on skatebirds which is sort of the last gasp of uh the uh the Sid and marty croft uh people in these costumes like hr puffin stuff or the the bugaloos or right um the banana splits this uh, this was 77 so i think it was the last gasp of that stuff and it's pretty bad. And, but in fact, I uh, I found the, the a cover to a TV guide, you know, newspaper supplement from '77, that has this very ominous picture of Scat Cat, uh, one of the characters from Skatebirds. And uh, I just had to buy it. It was it was rather rather inexpensive. It was only like six bucks. Um, but yeah, this one also is not really available. So you just have to get the little. But of course, like the Hanna-Barbera cartoons are sort of un- unbearable to watch as an adult, even though I'd like to think I would like them. But just to be honest, it's the cartoons themselves are not enjoyable. Like the, the Robonic Stooges is on here. But the live-action segments with the people in the costumes are just fascinating. But I think this was the end of that style, uh, at least on American television. Scat Cat, of course. Scatman Crothers. He was in uh, Hong Kong Fui and also The Shining. So, you know, in the way, the idea of these, uh, of, of this children's entertainment still being relevant to me is more important than the actual... Actually, watching it is not very good. But the movie written by uh, Roger Ebert is Beyond the Valley of the Dolls from 1970. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's uh, directed by Russ Meyer. Apparently, there was a, they're saying it's not a sequel to Valley of the Dolls. And then there was another movie later on called Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens, which I remember seeing some weird typography thing about. Um, but I've been watching this. This is pretty good. They said this was very influential on, on Austin Powers. Um, <clears throat> where is it? <laughs> There's like a uh, groovy Hollywood party. And uh, the, the band playing at the party is the Strawberry Alarm Clock, which is so amazing. And one of the characters is like, we always play Strawberry Alarm Clock records at our parties, but I never knew there could that they would be at a party. I, I have to find that part because... Most people probably never heard of the Strawberry Alarm Clock, but I'm a huge fan, and uh, it's amazing to see them there. Even though the song they're singing, of course, Incense and Peppermints, was a B-side with a different singer that turned out to be their only big hit. Let me see if we can find that part. But yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, beneath, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. And it, it was written by Roger Ebert. 
Let's see if we can find that here. <coughs> it just, to me, like, the story of alarm clock is like... Yeah, here it is. Here it is. It's so, like, to me, it's something that, frustratingly, no one's ever heard of. But here, it's like, at this time, it was, like, super popular. See how well he performed? This is a special talent. The golden hair, the bedroom eyes, the firm young body. These are the tools with which he flies his trade. All are available for a price. The welfare made in Emerson Bourne. Behind that friendly mask, inside that innocent shell, lies fermenting the unholy seed of See there behind the bar, the man with the benign, Germanic countenance. Could that be another face of Martin Borman? Hey, Sam, I've been to parties where they danced your records by the Strawberry Alarm Club, but this is the first time that the Strawberry Alarm Club's ever been to the party. What are you shouting out, man? I hear the minimum gig is worth hell. I get them for free. They're mine. Wow. Yeah, have some grass. Aunt Susan won't see it. Oh, no thanks, man. In a scene like this, you get a contact high. Strawberry alarm clock. What else am I watching here? Uh, just some random... The entire Internet Anomalies file explained... And then I've been going on a big, uh, several tabs open of the Jim Henson Hour. I've been on a big uh, kind of uh, kick on that because uh, the Jim Henson Hour is uh, this bizarre late period um, TV show from Jim Henson that uh, had a number, of, he was trying to do a number of innovations. Muppet Television was the evolution of that uh, inner tube TV. I play and I play the audio of that sometimes on the other side with all these new characters and they have this TV station in the back of a garage and there's like Digit is one of the characters and there's all these different characters and Jim Henson was constantly trying to uh, innovate and do new things but eventually he brought the Mupp- Muppets back into it and it became Muppet Television and uh, <clears throat> that was one aspect of it. It was sort of modeled after <coughs> the... Um, the, you know, the Disney, what was it called? The, the Wonderful World of Disney on ABC. Um, and Jim Henson hosted it when there was like this full-size white lion character. And then segments from The Storyteller, which is another live-action thing with puppets, with a dog that would talk to um, John Hurt playing this weird kind of, I don't know, some sort of weird elf or gnome or something as, as a storyteller. And... Uh, I just, I've been watching it and it's just, it's, it was a ratings failure and it's just not really well written. I think the Muppet stuff, revisiting any of the Muppet stuff, the Muppet show or this stuff, again, the idea of it is much more, is much more delicious than the actual execution, which usually is lacking. And unfortunately, the writing is bad. It's, it all feels very mean spirited in, in some way and overly cynical and, um, it just it doesn't feel like when you watch it it doesn't really feel like what you'd think it should be like you know um, but it has uh, the first episode had uh, Louie Anderson as, as the host as, as a guest and uh, back then this was in 89 they were still doing they, they do a My Dinner with Andre parody this mo- I, there, there were so many My Dinner with Andre parodies 
uh, back in the day. And now, who's even heard of it? I finally saw the the movie My Dinner with Andre a few years ago, and absolutely fantastic. In this case, Louis Anderson and his dinner with Godzilla. So that's the gag. It's like a Godzilla character that he's having dinner with. He starts and eats the Godzilla starts eating the restaurant, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, let's see what's going on with the Jim Henson hour here. Tolstoy's classic novel, War and Peace. This week, part one, War. Tune in next week for part two, Peace. Today's show was brought to you by the letter Friday, Joe Friday. Oh, yeah, there's uh, Digit. Digit is an interesting uh, new character. It doesn't look like a, mu- a Muppet at all. And, of course, Bean Bunny is big at this time, too. Be- Bean Bunny was a character in these later times who was... Everyone sort of accused him of being too cute. Um, inter- interesting character, though. And you are no Jack Kennedy. Thank oh, you. wow. They're, they're referencing that... Uh, Vice Presidential Debate, Lloyd Benson. Mr. Quayle, you're no Jack Kennedy. (laughs) And uh, what else am I watching here? I'm watching The Muppets from the same time period. In fact, this was the very last uh, television production that Jim Henson presided over because he died like two weeks after this. The Muppets at Walt Disney World, May 6, 1990. And here's the electric... And Clifford is now in the electric mayhem. He he would become the host of Muppets Tonight in the mid-90s. Um, they're at Epcot Center, the Muppets. But again, the writing is a little lacking. I mean, I but it's no different than anything like the just the writing style of the Muppet Show and anything related to it is a bit disappointing. <laughs> it's just not good, you know, in my opinion. But I love the idea of it. And I also was watching Dog City, which is another aspect of another. That was one of the more notable episodes of. Um, the Jim Henson Hour was the Dog City, it's sort of a 1940s film noir parody, and all the characters are dog puppets. And Bean Bunny and Digit are in the beginning as well. Am I watching anything else? How many things am I watching? This is insane. And I'm also trying to watch The Wheel of Time on Amazon Prime. It is so hard to watch. I have no idea what's going on. It's so confusing. It makes almost no sense. I'm still trying to watch it, though. Why am I trying to watch it? I don't know. I am watching one other thing, and we'll get to that in a moment. But I did want to uh, talk about the palindromes that I... Um, I don't know... Yeah, because I... Uh, yeah, I was getting hung up on the word pagoda. So I couldn't remember, as I said before, a panic. <coughs> what is it? A dog in a pagoda. I, I had it before! Uh, hold on. This is how I found that page originally. Dog in a pagoda. A dog. A panic in a pagoda. That's that's the that's the uh, palindrome, yeah. So that led me to the And I and I got into more pagoda um pagoda stuff in in the poems. Uh <clears throat> so we're we're looking at this. So I figured I would like to just make a uh, make an original um, palindrome. So people just post like there's a ton of them. Uh, uh, this was on Saturday. I made up my palindrome, and then there's a bunch afterwards. We'll read all of them here. 
<coughs> so to make up my palindrome, I'm like, I wanted to start with a word, and the word I came up with was Alps, right? Alps. Um, because I literally like that word because, especially in uh, the video game Outrun from 1986, from Sega, hugely influential video game, there's one stage called Alps where you're up in the, the mountains. And I was kind of in the Alps last year, right? I was, I was in the, the Dolomites, at least. <coughs> I think I may have crossed over into the Alps at some point when I went to Austria, I think. I'm not sure. And then also up in Wayne, New Jersey, there's Alps Road, which is always always a fun uh, road to go on, Alps Road. Uh, so I thought Alps, and I and then I very quickly came up with my palindrome, Display Alps ID. So like like you're stopped when you're going up the mountain, you know you have to. You're, there's like a little booth and they're like display Alps ID. <laughs> you have to show your Alps ID card. But yeah, display Alps ID is the same forwards as backwards. Like Alps ID, D I S P L A. The Y is in the middle of the palindrome. Then display is Yalpsid. You know, display Alps ID. Yes. That's how this burst of creativity I got. It was like I even made up my own palindrome. You know, it's weird. Like, what happened? Where does that come from? I know what they call it, like the muse, and it's people talk about it all the time. But this was a particular blast of of create creative energy. So here are the ones that have come after mine, just to give you an idea. And you're not allowed to discuss them because if you were to discuss them, you'd have to structure your comments as palindromes. Very strict, but very cool. Uh, here we go. We have Muse, Mo- Muse Mosey dies some sum. That's a good one. Well, maybe not. Uh, <coughs> Patisserie heiress I tap. Not bad. I'll have to give that one a thumbs up. Stare Lombardi drab mole rats. I like that one. Stare Lombardi drab mole rats. Lie vote no basis is a bone to veil. Me- this is all by different people too. Well, actually, they're mostly by a couple people who, yeah, are, I guess they spend their days making up palindromes. Met in a spa, zero basis. Solo Gestapo. Pat's ego loss is a bore. Zaps an item. That's a good one. I'll upvote that one. Stare, grab one on a canoe. No barge rats. That's a good one. Rum elastic. It's a lemur. Gets a thumbs up. Do orbit. As I sat, I brood. These are brand new. I guess these are brand new palindromes. Define my hymen I fed. Okay. A day? A day, you say. Yada, yada. <laughs> That's a good one. I wonder if these are all original. I, I mean, I Googled mine and I, no one else came up with mine. These are, again, just the past couple days of, of, of palindromes. Same forwards as backwards, but not counting the spaces or, or uh, punctuation. That's the palindrome rule. I guess some people are really into palindromes like me, and other people probably hardly ever worry about them. It's just a different personality type. Part yen omits asty money trap. Swan grabs pull-up bars. Gnaws. Yeah, almost. Sage drag deemed academe, Edgar Degas. Hmm, interesting. Liar edits. If I fist, I derail. Okay. 
May Lear fill a pall. I freely am. Well, here's an owl-based one, which is good. What, what, what's the normal Mr. Owl one? There's a big Mr. Owl palindrome. He ate like a metal worm or something? Well, let's see. Yeah, Mr. Owl ate my metal worm. That's like a classic palindrome. Um, this owl-based one is to hoot, silo owl lit. Still, wool is too hot. Not bad. I'll give that a thumbs up. Co saw late mundane Mel B on a nobleman ad. New metal was okay. Uh, it barely gets a thumbs up, but I, yeah, I'll give that one. Mel B is in Spice Girls, right? Ref edits a past I defer. No. Ya demo statewide Jedi wet at some day. Slam mambo job. Slam mambo job, mammals. All right, that gives a thumbs up. Deep stall, it's idle. UFO, no fuel. Distill at speed. Hmm, it's not bad. Do gray, Ali Wong. Now I layer God. No gal fret far after flagon. No gal fret far after flagon. That kind of almost makes sense. So, like a flagon of, like when you're drunk, you don't fret far. What are they saying? That's it. That's it. Oh, wait. No, no, no. There's actually, it looks like an ad. <laughs> it's an ad for, for Pete's, Pete's Coffee. Pete's Faced Decaf Steep. <laughs> so that is the palindrome situation. And there's zillions of them below that. But yeah, it's, you know, at least I have one in there. Maybe I'll come up with another one eventually. Uh, palindrome Part 2. So anyway, um, you, if you, as you may have heard last episode, there was a mystery TV show. And this is, and I, I could not find it. I was searching everywhere. I found many lists of TV shows involving alternate realities, alternate dimensions. No mention of this show. So I went to Tip of My Tongue, the subreddit, and I wrote, uh, you know, uh, 2000 scientists contacting an alternate reality via a tunnel. And this is what I wrote. And I talked about this on last episode. I remember seeing the beginning of this show a few years ago on a streaming service. It was low budget and looked like it was made in Europe or Australia, likely 2000 to 2010 era. It started with scientists doing an experiment at a tunnel where scientists on the other world were also working. They sent something like a grapefruit or an orange through the tunnel to test if it was safe. I'd meant to continue watching it, but I forgot the name and can't find it anywhere. And uh, then initially they deleted my post because you have to comment on your own post within the first hour. So I wrote, it's not Counterpart, stars 2017 to 2019, though that also had a tunnel leading to an alternate reality. Great show, by the way. That's what I wrote. And then we had some people, really helpful people, trying to do it. Um, let's see. Someone said, Man in the High Castle, season four. I said, another great show, but no, that wasn't it. Um, someone else, I didn't see this until after it was solved. Don't recall any tunnels, but could it be Fringe? That focused on an alternate reality, more so as the seasons went on. So I wasn't able to, because con- once you s- set it as solved, it, it becomes locked. So here, the uh, Reddit Redditor Carrie Granite. Is that the Carrie Grant uh, name from uh, the Flintstones? Uh, definitely Charlie Jade. And he sends me a link. And I'm, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, yeah, that rings a bell. 
He's like, it's a watermelon they send. Here's the scene. So it's it was a watermelon they sent through the tunnel, not an orange or a grapefruit. But I remembered it was some sort of fruit. And I said, thanks. That's it. Thank you. So it was a watermelon. At least I remembered it was some kind of fruit. So that solved it. So it's Charlie Jade. And this show is from 2005. So I was dead right with the, it was a 2020 era. But it was filmed in South Africa, right, in Cape Town. And um, that's why I sort of felt it was like Australian or, or European. And uh, I found the show, sort of found the show. It's very hard to find. It's not on any streaming service. It's on Daily Motion, which is some weird alternate video site. It's different than uh, YouTube. But I was watching. It's actually I'm on like the third episode. But on Daily Motion, it just it just wasn't working. Like it kept stuttering and freezing and. So I had to eventually find it on, uh, you know, Torrent, you know, so I got I got the series, but very hard to find. But it's a good show. And something like that that's been downloaded, you watch it on. uh, (coughs) I have found the best by far local video player. If you're watching series and stuff on the PC is called Pot Player. And uh, this is a great, great program. Makes it so easy. I'm on episode three of Charlie Jade. Here's a little bit of what I'm watching. There's Charlie walking down the street. He's in the... <coughs> he's from the Alpha-verse. <coughs> but he's stuck in the Beta-verse right now. There's also a Gamma-verse. Uh, anyway. <coughs> anyway, so the show is about this detective, Charlie Jade, who lives in... So basically, there's three universes, and this company... This evil corporation has figured out how to move between them uh, in some ways. So the Betaverse is our world, right? The Alphaverse is where Charlie Jade comes from, is also at the same time, but it's much more advanced technologically, but it's like a Blade Runner uh, dystopia, essentially. And it's called Cape City, not Cape Town. And then the Gammaverse is like a paradise. It's where like the, the world has not been... Uh, exploited for its resources, and the idea is that Vec, Vec, Vexcore, I guess the name of the company, wants to build a tunnel, especially to the Gammaverse, to start uh, taking all their natural resources and kind of destroying that place as well. So mining and you know wood and forests and stuff from there. So the people in the Gammaverse wanted to prevent this from happening, and so it, it's very ambitious and largely successful. I think it's. Uh, I don't know why I, I couldn't find it. I mean, apparently it, it was air. It was made also by this Canadian company. It was like a, a joint venture between Canada and South Africa to make a science fiction TV show. And uh, yeah, I'm digging it. So I have the whole series now. So the, uh, there was never a season two, <coughs> but there's a whole PDF file describing what season two would have been like. So I can check that out when the time comes but I'm so happy I, I found it I, I I mean like something like this that's so obscure if you don't know the name you can't watch it because you can't find it you see what I'm saying anyway a few updates um, long things going on for a long time um, as you may know my father Frank Ralph Nora passed away last year in May and uh, so my brother and I had to do you know sort of do everything get the house ready to be sold and I detailed that entire process. And my last visit there was a few, uh, was it last month? That episode called Adios Casa, where 
I went there by myself. It was all empty. The house is sold now. The closing went through, and it's done. <coughs> a new family owns the house, and uh, it feels kind of weird, and I'll never go there again. But if you heard the part where I went there, I, I really did say my goodbyes to the house. It's a house I grew up in. Um, so that is done. And uh, in a more minor sense, um, you know, the Easy Pass, which is here in New Jersey, New York, I'm sure it's under different names, different parts of the world, but it's a little transceiver you put in your car so you can pay the tolls automatically, right? Um, by the way, the toll into New York City now is like fifteen thirty-five. That's how much it costs. Like it's over fifteen dollars, and they got rid of all the toll takers. <coughs> no more toll takers at the tunnel. So if you don't have an Easy Pass, they'll just send you a bill. <laughs> That's how it works now. Fifteen bucks, jeez. Um, See, like, it, it, I think you, it only costs, like, six, $16 to park over at uh, Secaucus. And then you don't have to additionally pay for parking in New York City, which is going to be a lot more than $16. <coughs> anyway, well, we found on-street parking down, down in East Village. But anyway, my wife is really good at uh, finding parking spaces and stuff. I, I would just give up and go to a parking garage, like, immediately. But she's somehow always able to find a parking spot. Um, but anyway... Um, you know, so I got my father's car. I was using it, you know, to do cat sitting and go visit him and stuff. And then eventually uh, I was able to uh, transfer it into my own name, which took a while. But the Easy Pass was still in his name. So they're like, listen, you got to send an original death certificate and a cover letter and all this stuff. And I sent it to them and months and months and months and months went by and they never did anything. I could never transfer the car and I have, it's registered under my name now. And eventually I talked to someone, I guess it was last month and they're like, or the month before they're like, yeah, I guess we never, I'm like, you, you wouldn't have the tracking number and I, I had the receipt from the post office. I had the tracking number. I said, I even took a picture of the package before I sent it to you guys. You signed for it so you have it. So I didn't hear anything but I just tried Every time I tried to add that license plate to my EasyPass account, it would always say, oh, that's part of another account. But this time I was able to do it, so I finally resolved the EasyPass thing. Ugh, it was it was like such a long time. I mean, the EasyPass was working anyway because it I just have my transponder in there, but now it's listed under my account. So slowly making – I guess this the stuff with the states and stuff is just takes forever for some reason. For some reason, it just takes forever. next segment we need to go into the upstairs bathroom here and get the uh, offending article yes anyways we'll get to that in a moment um, first I got some uh, junk mail here it's a card it says you are invited and it has two tickets, VIP tickets. Wow. I'm like, did I did I buy something? What did I what are these tickets? Who even uses paper tickets anymore? It's all it's all on your phone these days. Let's take a look at this invitation here. Free gourmet dinner. That sounds pretty good. At IHOP, International House of Pancakes in Clifton, New Jersey. A gourmet meal at IHOP. Nice. Exclusively for people with nerve damage symptoms. 
If you have any of these symptoms, you need to attend this event. You need to come to IHOP. And they list all these nerve issues. Uh, so I have to assume this is some kind of scam or they're trying to just steal your money and it just, ugh. People with nerve damage. You know, with, the, with all these things, if you get X number of people in a room, in theory, one-fifth of them may be particularly susceptible to whatever brainwashing you're trying to do on them. So I will not be attending that one. And here, you know, I, I got that Lafroig quarter cask. And this somehow, I have a passport now to Isla. It's like a little piece of paper that came in the, the, the uh, container. It's like... Uh, like you can, you now own, like I own a piece of the island now or something. Just say hey, thank you for buying this little piece of Isla. Your unique number is. So I guess you can own like a plot of land, like maybe one square millimeter or something. You know that that old that old gag. It, you know, I mean, in, in the end, I don't know that I really need to own like a like a square millimeter of land in in Scotland, even though I'm not. You know, when you get right down to it, you don't really own it. It's kind of like, you know, naming the stars after yourself or becoming a British lord through that service, which all of them are scams, basically. You know. So many scams out there. But, I mean, I love Lefroy. I'm not saying it's a scam. They're not asking for any money. they just like, because you bought the whiskey, now you own some land. But I don't even know what that means. Like, I, I can go over there and stand on my plot of land. I'll probably be standing on 20 other people's land, too. Anyway, I, I'm sure their heart was in the right place with this whole thing. Anyway, um, <coughs> so this uh, segment, I was actually gonna, I was going to call this "Gong the Shave Cream." I was going to call an episode this, but it really is time to just get to this issue. "Gong the Shave Cream." It's like um, you may recall, uh, you know, I, I I shave with a you know like a razor, and I. I, I recently upgraded to the, uh, you know, I used to get the one that had three blades, like the Mach 3, and now I have the one that has five blades, like Super Fusion Deluxe or something. And I was using different, I was using like the Dove Shave Cream, but I found out that they're like abusing animals and stuff. That, listen, allegedly they're torturing animals because of their uh, shaving cream. So I tried to find some, you know, cruelty-free shaving cream. And this was a while ago. I found a, a couple. I, I I bought two different kinds. <clears throat> the first one I bought was uh, Pacific Shaving Co- uh, Company, the Natural Shaving Cream. And this one I used, and it was uh, it was good. I had I think I had two units of this. It's it's sort of just like a cream you squeeze out, and this worked fine. But I ran out of it, so then I had to go to the other one I got which was a real lemon in the shave cream world. This is barrel and oak bourbon cedar flavored with uh, patchouli and cedar (coughs) conditioning shave cream. And this stuff is nasty. I mean, first of all, it has the horrible texture. It smells nasty. It's, I don't even know what the hell. It smells like something that's been rotting on the side of the road. It doesn't smell like any bourbon or cedar or patchouli I've ever smelled. But I'm, I, I said to myself, you know, I'll tolerate the smell. And it's not a good shaving cream. It doesn't really, 
like I'm shaving with it and it and it doesn't seem like that my my facial hairs are coming off and then I see this material this uh, sh supposed shave cream is gunking up because there's five different blades you know it's gunking up in there and preventing it from working um, and I thought it was just the smell and it just didn't feel right and, and, and it wasn't a close shave. But now I, I see that it's maybe it's particularly incompatible with the uh, Deluxe Fusion uh, razor blades I got. So it's time to gong the shave cream. And I bought a bunch of the new, the old, the old one, Pacific Natural. So the reason I say gong the shave cream is because it's sort of like at the gong show, right, where these acts come on. And if they're particularly bad, you can just ring the gong and they have to stop their act. Now, they did bring the show back in uh, modern times with um, Mike Myers as a fictional British comedian hosting the show, and it was largely successful. I think they figured out how to sort of channel the original, which was so great, with Chuck Barris and Rex Reed. I think he was on so at times. We were mentioning Rex Reed and J.P. Morgan, not the banker, but the... Uh, a D-list celebrity, and of course Jamie Farr, and who, and Artie Johnson, just the best. Like the losers of the comedy world were so entertaining on that show. And uh, Gene Gene, the Dancing Machine, of course, and uh, in the revamp show, the real uh, disadvantage they had was that there was no more good like loser comedians to be on the show because, like a Jamie Farr, for example, <laughs> like. It, just his presence, you know, he's he's sort of like, you know, he played Klinger on MASH. He didn't really do much else. He played in, he played like an Arab sheik in uh, Cannibal Run 2, I think. But anyway, the personalities of these judges, J.P. Morgan, Artie Johnson, like they, there was just something humble and charming and weird about these people that made the show work. And there's none of those. There's no celebrity like that anymore. The celebrities they got on really couldn't fulfill the role of of, of being a, a loser comedian judge. And uh, that kind of hurt the show. But the one thing they had on the show that was brilliant was sort of a spiritual, success, spiritual successor to um, the Gene Gene, the Dancing Machine. It was this guy, Albert, who would sing the same song every single episode. Shaving Cream, right? I'm going to try to find it. And to me, it was the greatest thing ever. It just every single episode, he just sang the same song, and it was brilliant. Somehow they came back for a season two, and they removed Albert. So I removed myself from watching the show. There will be no watching of of, of the of the revamped Gong Show without Albert. Let me see if we can find it here. So it, it actually the Gong Show actually had a shaving cream angle. I'm Gong. You see, I'm Gong the shave cream. So I used that line in one of the poems. So I don't know. If, will we get to the poems today? Maybe we will. Yeah, a sing-along of shaving cream on the gong show. And this was in the year, six years ago, whatever that, uh, 2017 era. And he's wearing like a straw hat and like a barbershop quartet kind of outfit. To tell you may hurt your feelings a bit last night a knife into my bathroom i stepped in a big pile of shaving cream be nice and clean 
save every day and you'll always look See, they have Zach Galifianakis on there, who I guess, you know, could be in that universe, but he just is not at the level of like a Rex Reed, you know. Her antics are queer, I'll admit. Each time I say, darling, I love you, she tells me that I'm full of So some executive or someone must have been like, what about the shaving cream song? Can we get rid of that? Why do we do this every time? Not understanding that the surreal humor format of the gong show requires such shenanigans. You see what I'm saying? Ridiculous. Anyway, that was the whole gong. So now I have my new shaving cream. Yay. So hopefully I will not have a problem with this horrible barrel and oak garbage. I mean, I should probably leave a review on Amazon to warn other people about this junk. Let me see if there's any reviews on there. <clears throat> hmm. They may have already withdrawn the... Uh... No, it has a new packaging. Hmm. Four and a half stars. <coughs> what planet are these people or these shavers living on? Please. Is this rinse out, leave in? Rinse out, leave in. What does that even mean? Is this like the wrong kind of shaving cream? Hmm. Great product with a pleasant smell. That's the exact opposite. Smooth shape. I, I, maybe, I guess they say your mileage may vary. I don't know. <coughs> this is like the worst shaving cream I ever got, honestly. Rinse out, leave in. That makes no sense. Rinse out to soften and restore your hair and leave in the conditioner to add control and shine to your hair. I don't understand what that even means. Conditioning. So maybe this is not shaving cream. It's like a, it's like conditioner. What? All right. So this may... I, I, I mean, it says shave cream right on here. Um, Pre-shave... All right, so I, I, maybe I was using it wrong, but it smells like garbage anyway. It smells like crap. It smells like a big pile of shaving cream. Yes. Anyway, I, I, I'm going to stay far away from this garbage. Gong, gong that shave cream, damn it. I'll break off with my girlfriend. <coughs> Her antics are queer, I'll admit. Apparently, Albert was played by a fellow named Bill Lewis. Someone says, I don't remember them doing this on the old gong show. They did Gene Gene the Dancing Machine like every episode. It was just this guy that came out and started dancing. It's a spiritual success, not the exact same thing. Here's Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. Here he is. This is back in the 70s or so. Oh, shut up, these stupid commercials. Shut up. Ah! 
think he was just like a stagehand, and he just comes out. <laughs> There's J.P. Morgan, Artie Johnson. Is that Rex? I don't know if that's Rex Reed. Who's who's the third judge there? Great song, too, right? Marty Johnson. Can't get much better than him. Was he on, was he on Laughing or something? Or was that uh, Henry Gibson or both? I think J.P. Morgan may still be alive. You think she is? It's J-A-Y-E-P. Morgan. She was she was like a singer in like the fifties or something. I think she may be alive. Yes, she's ninety-two years old and she's alive. <coughs> her, her name's Mary Morgan, but she changed her name to J.P. Morgan to sound you know like the finance guy. He's, that, that still has that company, J.P. Morgan Chase. But I think he's dead because he was from like the 1800s or some shit. Yeah, he lived from 1837 to 1913. Oh, that's that guy. That guy looks like a real angry guy. Why, why do all these billionaires, or I mean, back then a millionaire was a billionaire, why do they look so angry? <laughs> Probably he goes to, the, to take his, that's when he had to take a photograph and he had to sit there like perfectly still for like an hour. It's like, why does it take so long? Time is money, damn it. Why can't they in- invent faster pictures? I'm sure they will eventually. Let's see. Rex Reed, Gong Show. Let's see. Anything? Anything? Jamie Farr discussing the gong show. Let's see. At the movies with Rex Reed and Bill Harris. Jeez, that's quite a pair. (laughs) There are no Siskel and Ebert. What, did they take over that show? (laughs) Let's see. It's Dudley Moore playing a drunk in the 80s. <coughs> After Arthur, he can only play drunks. Where the hell is Rex Reed? That's why we came here. Bill Harris is like... He's cute. Dudley's cute. The movie is a bow-wow. 
ancient Indian mumbo-jumbo and don't bother to ask. Dr. Jack and son Chris accidentally trade brains. What's going to happen on date? That old gag. Son's body. Wowee. You get the picture. What's going to happen at the hospital? All right, hold on. I'm fast-forwarding to where we can see Rex Reed. The brain transplant should have been tried first on the people behind it. We'll see how Rex Reed is, but these Bill Harris, he, I, he used to be on Showtime and stuff. I, I have a few clips of him on the other side, but Siskel and Ebert just had that natural charisma. But here's Rex Reed. He's definitely much better. Hey, that's a real bad review from you. <laughs> you usually are much nicer than that. Is that but a it's not bad enough. It's not bad enough to give people the idea of how rotten this picture is. You know, this movie is like a flag at half mast. Get my drift. And the whole know. picture really is kind of like a funeral. Dudley Moore as Papa drinks some brain transference serum in a Tabasco sauce bottle. And from that idiot... Listen, you see this. I mean, Rex Reed, you know, he's he's a legend in the film reviewing business, obviously. But cannot hold a candle to Siskel and Ebert in any way, shape, or form, obviously. I didn't find his thing on the gong show. Whatever. It's fine. It's fine. <clears throat> anyway, where, where were we? <coughs> I feel like I have so much to get to on today's episode. Jackpots of Dust 3. All right, I'll, I'll be back. Okay, it's later on. So, yeah, I finished The Mad, Mad, Mad Comedians. Very strange. It, it's all animated, 2D animation, cell animation. And, uh... <clears throat> an interesting time capsule in some ways of legendary comedians, but yeah, it wasn't really necessarily very well done. Interestingly, you know, as me being Gen X, uh, again, born in 67, some of the, most of these individuals are known to me. Let's go down the list. The cast of Jack Benny. He's someone that um, I may not have known much about before I that fateful day when I found the Radio Reruns cassette of the Jack Benny show at the supermarket at some point in the 70s that started turning me on to old-time radio. That's sort of how I became got to know Jack Benny. George Burns, of course, was in a lot of movies, the Oh God movies, and he was all over the place. Phyllis Diller as well. She was kind of omnipresent in many ways. Uh, George Jessel, though, I have to say, I never heard of growing up. I think that's sort of the limit. Uh, I, I only really heard of him through Hieronymus uh, Merkin. Um, but he apparently was a big guy. And then Jack E. <coughs> Jack e. Leonard, I have not heard of at all. When I saw his picture of him, I guess he was uh, an American comedian who made frequent appearances on television variety and game shows. So um, I'm not familiar with him. Groucho Marx, of course. The Marx Brothers were very, very uh, much on television a lot, and we got to know them. The Smothers Brothers, I feel like I got to know them because of the uh, uh, the records my, my parents had. And they did that, the Slithery D song, because uh, Tom Smothers died uh, uh, recently, right? Because I was talking about them. Flip Wilson, I feel, was like... Uh, he was on a lot of shows and the Flip Wilson show, so we knew of him growing up. Henny Youngman, I think, was uh, 
I'm not sure where we found out about him, but he was sort of another omnipresent guy. Take my wife, please. You know, that whole that whole that whole thing. What's the full joke of that? Take my sister-in-law, for example. She does this, and take my brother-in-law. You know, he does that, and you know, uh, uh, take my wife, please. Take her, play, take her away. Is that funny? I, I thought it was supposed to be a one-liner, though. Is this multiple lines? Paul Freeze, of course, is a voice artist who, of course, narrated the Haunted Mansion. and So he does the narration here, and he does additional voices. He did W.C. Fields, who also is someone that I had a radio reruns of, and I think we just generally knew him. Also, a lot of these guys like W.C. Fields and stuff would be, some of them would appear in like Looney Tunes cartoons or other sort of cartoons as themselves, or there's a character based on them, right? Um, so yeah, the whole thing is really weird. You had the Philip Wilson Columbus sketch and it says here with audio taken directly from his 1967 Atlantic records album, Cowboys and Colored People. So that was like, I, I kind of get where he's coming from with that one, but yeah, it doesn't really, some of this stuff really humor, um, it was of the time and you can sort of understand why it was funny back in the time, but it doesn't really hit you as as being particularly funny. Yeah, the Jack Burns and the Jack Benny and George Burns bit was just not good. Uh, made them just look like a couple of assholes, basically. It wasn't right. Uh, yeah, and the Marx Brothers one was just not funny. W. C. Fields, voiced by Paul Frees, uh ski resort thing was not good. And then finally, the Smothers Brothers trying to sing a song to woo a princess. It was just yeah, just. A little off, you know. <coughs> In between skits, various comedians, including Henny Youngman, Jackie Leonard, George Jessel, and Phyllis Diller, tell a few funny jokes as the TV special progresses. Also making silent cameos in this special. So these are the these bizarre images of the crowd laughing. Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, Ray Charles, Charlie Chaplin in silhouette form. The Beatles, Queen Elizabeth II, Ronald Reagan... And I, I saw I, I saw LBJ and uh, Nixon, too. The Munsters, Jed and Granny Clampett, cartoon stars. I saw Popeye the Sailor. I didn't see Charlie Brown, Tomcat. What is Tomcat? Jerry Mouse. Oh, Tom and Jerry. Okay. Jeez. And Yogi Bear. So, yeah, it's a weird one. Never really saw video. I think, you know, the... Uh, I think so, someone was saying, I, I read somewhere that the, uh, the the rights clearances for all the various things involved would be prohibitive and there may not be much call for it. But at least, uh, yeah, at least they can watch it on YouTube. Yeah. Anyways, back to our, our closer to home, our Onsug Radio world. Uh, Overnightscape Central is back. Yes, Dave in Kentucky has brought the show back with the first episode <coughs> came out just a few days ago on the January 12, 2024. Overnightscape Central, Fast Food, The Occult, and Other Bad Ideas. And it was uh, myself and uh, Brendan the Meanderer, Chad Bowers, and the Midnight Citizen Mike Booty, and hosted by Dave, and uh, three hours long. Great stuff. Central is back, baby. And PQ said he may even uh, drop in uh, the next one. Next month's topic, you have a whole month to record this. Please think about participating. It's old-time rock and roll, old-time religion, and old-time radio. 
So you can choose one, two, or all three topics. Some great topics there. And uh, can't, I can't wait to uh, come up with. So, so now I'm going to, like, the wheels are starting to roll in the back of my mind of what I'm going to talk about. Rock and roll, religion, and radio. Wow. They're all kind of different, but they're all kind of related in some ways. And there's another, a new episode of the Wool Gathering with Eddie, which he's calling the last Wool Gathering. So that just came out as well. But let's talk about this Onsug Radio Archive Previews and uh, why I feel it's, it's personally important to me. Um, this is using the same format as I recently had for Onsug Radio Previews, right? <coughs> so we need to sort of go back. There's an idea that has been bouncing around my head for decades now, really. And um, I feel like ideas that I, it's an idea that I'd really tried to push away and uh, let go of many times over the years, but it, it never was able to. It always keeps uh, coming back. Persistent. And one theory I have about that is that it's uh, <clears throat> a project that was manifest in some alternate reality like like my my gamma verse or delta verse or whatever this idea was implemented and it's <coughs> it's an idea that I know I've mentioned over the years and implemented in some ways over the years but something that uh it's strange it's 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 very it's it's related to that whole night station idea I have a lot of ideas that I, I would really want to let go of, but somehow I can't. I think I've kind of been able to let go of Night Station, um, which it does seem self-indulgent. It seems selfish to try and keep going with an idea that obviously doesn't seem meant for manifestation in, in this scenario. But in this case, <clears throat> um, I feel like it has a, a place or a purpose uh, for this very focused a use. Anyway, the idea here is that um, it's a radio station, a radio broadcast, but it's asynchronous, right? So the idea is that uh, segments are recorded for it, but then those segments can be played back in any order, right? Or randomly, or they can be organized, right? The idea is that it's a broadcast that has these segments, <clears throat> and uh, in this case, um, the segments. So I've gone through so many different um, formats and ideas, but I just wanted to really make it simple. In this case, um, each segment will be twenty something minutes long. So between twenty minutes and twenty nine fifty nine, right? Whatever you want to say, uh, twenty something minutes long. And this partially was brought about recently by the book itself, which just came out. And its uh, tagline is, it's Onsug Radio, broadcasting from inside this book. So I want to, what is the broadcast? I mean, in general, it's all of our shows are part of the broadcast. But this idea specifically <clears throat> of segments of kind of the main broadcast or the central broadcast uh, the idea that if it could be made up of asynchronous 20-something-minute segments that 
um, could form this kind of a new kind of radio station, you see. But I think that we're already doing that in many ways. So I don't want to push it too hard. That's why I just wanted to implement it perhaps um, for the intro loop or the, the idea that uh, there's when you open the book, when the book has audio capabilities, you'll start hearing the broadcast, right? Because it sort of, it implies there is a broadcast. And in this case, right, it's not a preview of OnSug Radio. It is OnSug Radio. And this particular segment is called Archive Preview. So I'll just play you. <coughs> I'm using the computer voice to, to, you know, to make it automatic for the moment. But here, here's what You are listening to OnSug Radio. This is Archive Previews. January 13th, 2024. Here's the next random clip. The Paunch Stevenson Show, episode 173, 7 3 11, 09 25 by Greg and Rob. Great now. He didn't do anything super. <laughs> We've been sued. So, Super 8 by J.J. Uh, Abrams. He can. Yeah, so, <clears throat> and in this case, I did uh, get random segments, but I, I made sure to do one of each that came up because because my audio re is represented far more than perhaps other hosts. A lot of times the randomness is just me, 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 and then PQ, me, 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 then Shambles, and me, 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 and then Jimbo. So I've been trying to sort of... <clears throat> um, in this case, these are three-and-a-half-minute clips, so I'd have seven of them and trying to make sure they're all different. That's what I did for this one. <clears throat> now, of course, what we're hearing here could potentially be completely automated. It doesn't have to be pre-made. But I wanted to... Just by establishing this format, it doesn't all have to be archive previews. The content can be just about anything. And I'm not really quite sure if there's any need or call for anything additional besides these archive previews. But it's, to me, it's an, an idea that um, I've, and it's hard to even talk about it, right? Because it's kind of weird. It's something I've been living with for so long. Um, <clears throat> I think we'll just sort of leave it at that. But for me personally, this was the first time I actually implemented this idea, like for real. Um, I know it doesn't seem like much, and I don't want to make it into a big deal, but it's it represents an idea or a seed of an idea, right? And as I'm sort of considering it, how it could work in kind of a full manifestation, it seems like it could have, it could be kind of a wonderful thing, but I don't think we're there at the moment. So a little bit, yeah, it's it's from very deep in my mind this concept. Um, and I may do a few more of these, uh, ex you know, I call it an experimental recording. <coughs> um, but I feel like the actual broadcast of Onsug Radio, being that the book is referring to a broadcast, is if I'm going to have any extra time, that's what I want to work on and not um, try and continually go off on other things like this poetry stuff. Uh yeah, I and I feel kind of self-conscious about it because I understand it doesn't really seem like much of anything, but it's. I know all of you have not been living with this idea for such a long time, and who knows? Maybe it did become a big thing in some other reality. 
I do remember at one point thinking it could be something that you could invite the whole world in to record these segments. That does not seem to be a good idea. It sounds like a recipe for disaster. Because, you know, people can be trouble at times. (laughs) Anyway. Let's talk about today's show art, if I can find it here. Yes. What, What happened? Yes, this is Jack Potts of Dust 3. <clears throat> this, uh, the title and the image, uh, there's a lot going on here. Hold on one second. So yeah, this is an image of my desk right here to the to my left. What was it to my left uh, previously? Um, it is we're, it's, so it's basically an image showing a cup of coffee, a hard drive, a CD, some C, a CD case for uh, that come together Manchester stuff. The proof copy of Ansog Radio Book and that Barbarian uh, Inside Three Maze toy. Um, my headphones. <coughs> Two bottles of water in the foreground, a notepad, and it says The Great Race 1965 and The Party, whatever that was, 1968, those uh, Blake Edwards movies. Then uh, on the upper right, there's that um, whiskey advent calendar and it says What's Inside? And the bare uh, edge of a uh, of a plug for a CD player. And then you see the ground there, and that's actually the cat box over there. <laughs> yeah. So... If you if you notice everything's covered in dust, and I'm like, what the hell? How is there this thing? This this book I only received like a week or two ago. It couldn't be covered with dust like that. That's insane. But remember the story I told you last time. My computer was malfunctioning, and I uh, I opened it up, and I used a canned air to blow out all the dust on the fans, of which there was a massive amount. So that's the dust that blew out on everything, right? It's sort of a jackpot of dust. And what I realized was that, especially the book here, which is the first copy I got, this is the proof copy that I use for proofreading. They print a gray strip on it that says, not for resale, for some reason. Um, (coughs) In essence, the dust built up in the computer as I was working on this book over the past year, right? And the dust got blown out on top of it. It's such it's such a weird kind of uh, <coughs> connection, right? Um, the font I use there is, is uh, University Roman. Works so well here. <laughs> I'm so happy with the way that font looks. Um, that cup of coffee, by the way, is uh, the turquoise color is um, or teal. Is from uh, PJ's Coffee of New Orleans. I bought that at one point. So I really loved it because essentially I was sitting there and I put that maze on top of the book, which as you can see is very almost the same color, that ochre color. They call it yellow. They call it ochre on the website. That's a cool game. I still have not been able to finish the maze, right? It's this ball inside. If you look at it, it's like this cool little city and it's most of it is obscured. And I can get all the way to the end game and then 
you have to get you have to rise up into the snake temple and fight the snake that one i i mean i kind of know what is required but i'm not sure exactly how to do it so it's a very challenging little game it's actually very cool i found the website that it's on which is uh what is it called and there's a there's a whole story about the guy the guy uh it's dougfactory.com d o u g factory.com and the, and it's it's in french but there's english too yeah and there's a whole section about this and there's you can actually find uh notes on exactly where you need to go so the, the end game is basically a very tricky passageway where you can get trapped on either side then you have to go up these stairs and then there's the, the same exact tricky passageway and the next level up. There's three levels on this thing. Um, <coughs> Dougfactory.com. But if you look at the uh, the story, there's this guy. Uh, what's his name? R- Romain Guerrec. I mean, this French is it was Romain Guerrec. I don't know how you pronounce it, but yeah, he create he had this dream to create these these weird little boxes with mazes inside and stuff. It's a whole story. It's great. Here's there he is. There's the guy that made all this stuff up. Very cool. Um, yeah. So the dust of the creation is now on top of the creation. It's weird. Um, because I wanted to acknowledge the dust, and that that was something, right? I mean, uh, Jackpots of Dust was the first episode to use that title, <clears throat> but it was uh had a little bit of a different connotation. Let me try to find it here. Yeah, Jackpots of Dust. This was back in June, the Overnight Escape 881, June 1st, 2012. And uh, it was a picture I took at um, Tudor City Greens. I used to go there all the time for lunch. And it's a, you see a street light, which itself has some symbolism. And then there's a, a bird flying and it looks like it's headed towards this building. And um, I think I, when I took the picture, I felt it could be sort of like symbolic of 9-11 or something. The planes going into the buildings and really weird stuff like that. And that it was sort of a jackpot of dust, 9-11. It's a very dark kind of description of it. And I noticed afterwards that, you know, the two water bottles kind of reflect that. I wasn't doing that intentionally. Um, then there was Son of Jackpots of Dust, which was the second one. That was Overnight Escape 1204 on August 4th, 2015. So I'm not sure what else I was talking about with that, but. Son of Jackpots of Dust. Anyway, I thought it was um, a different kind of Jackpot of Dust, but in a way, it may all be part of a continuum of ideas, not to say any of these ideas are legitimate, but the idea that um, the manipulation of timelines and the creation of alternate timelines, right? I have felt in the process of um, doing the book, for example, and anything else, I sort of feel like 
like reality is heavily edited. And I know I've talked about this a lot. Just the idea that it it's not just one run through of this life, but it feels like constant rewinds and revisions and everything else. For example, if you, depending on the scenario of what this world is and who we are, and if there is a capacity for rewinding and changing what happened, right? What is the collateral damage for that? Uh, is it just an innocent thing? I mean, is this just a computer game and it's sort of like playing around with your save files and save scumming, as they say? In that case, no harm, no foul, right? It's it's, it's a game. It's all fake. There's, no, there's nothing wrong. But as I've questioned in other things, what like what about, oh, uh, you know, that interesting scenario about how uh, there are websites that say there's a um, time travel research center that was part of ITT and, and DARPA back in the 60s, right over on River Road in this town, and that they had a device that could look into the future and that they saw in 2007 or 2008 that Washington, D.C. was underwater. And then they were able to figure out what caused it and prevent it from happening because obviously we didn't experience that in this timeline. The question is, like, what happens to all the people that were in that disaster? Are they still living it? Are they erased? You see what I'm saying? Like, what happens to those people? And the jackpots of dust could be um, the you're getting what you want. You've revised reality to be the way you want it to be. But the dust and of the destruction that you cause along the way, that's sort of the implication. Because 9-11, I think, the event, which I know not all of you would know what this 9-11 is, especially if you're further in the future, but it was a, a day. It was a beautiful morning, Tuesday. It was a Tuesday, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, it was a, uh, an attack. At first we thought it was the attack on America. It was, uh, two planes, a plane e- through, flew into each of the twin towers and that caused them to collapse. And there was also a plane that crashed in Pennsylvania and a plane that crashed into the Pentagon. It was supposed to be terrorists. But what if it was an event created to alter the timeline, perhaps even the sequence of events that caused what I'm assuming would be a, a tsunami. Right, we know the Canary Islands have a huge landmass that if it were to, uh, <coughs> what do they say, there was a huge landslide, it could cause a tidal wave across the east coast of the United States. And that could be caused artificially within a, a nuclear device, right? That's sort of, people have been talking about this for a long time. without getting too far into that theory, it's something I think about a lot, right? And if you think about the um, uh, the conspiracy theories about, like, shadow governments, Illuminatis, like, there's behind the scenes, there's these powerful people that have enormous influence. And it seems to be some sort of weird pseudo-religion or cult or something. Well, what if, if you were let's say, interested in the manipulating reality and going and 
going back in time and changing things. Like, what if this person was never born? Or what if this war never happened? Or what if this war did happen? Just to see what happened. And then, as we know, there's this weird uh, connection between creative output and perhaps difficult situations, right? Um, just look what happened in the 20th century. I mean, we had uh, war after war, depressions and this and that, but so much incredible creative stuff. If you wanted to continually meddle and, and fine-tune reality through alternate timelines, you would really need to be able to make big changes in the world, like start a war or prevent a war. So the idea is that these Illuminatis or whatever are have been sort of installed. These guys, these Illuminatis wouldn't even know that they're being used in this somewhat frivolous way that people are uh, just cause the creation of these cult-based, super powerful groups. But then the time travelers themselves are at the head of those groups, right? Super secret, super multiple layers of secrecy so they can go back in time and at any time that these groups are installed and be like, yeah, yeah, start that war or yeah, yeah, you know, make this, see this person, they seem to be a nobody. Give them unlimited resources, let them do what they want and see what they'll come up with. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you can just, you would need to have in a world like this, you'd need to have access to that kind of shadow government in order to make your changes. And who knows what the the ultimate goal may just be creation of pop culture. It's But again, it sounds awfully callous and morally perhaps questionable what are the what what is the collateral damage when you create a new timeline what happens to people in the old timeline do they have to live out their lives in whatever horrible scenario you've created just for the purpose of creating like cartoons and stuff I don't know um but that came to mind. Obviously, there's a lot of intertwined um, elements in this whole concept. But anyway, I thought it was a cool image. My stuff covered in dust. It's all brand like newer stuff. It's all covered in dust. It's weird. Anyway, and I like how um, right in the upper right that advent calendar says what's inside, and then the maze game. You're wondering what's inside. And then the book, what's inside the book, right? It's all sort of weirdly connected. And there are two towers on the book cover too, but that's not at all meant to be related to that, any of those things. Anyway, yes, that's the explanation of Jackpots of Dust 3. Now, finally, let's see. Let's get to the poetry part of uh, uh, the Wychok revival. It's like a revival of a revival. Um, so, yes. So, yeah, this is something that's been going on, as I mentioned, for a long time. And let me see if you can find this. Go to thinkfang.com. The reason I got on this tack, tack is that right? was, um, what are they saying? It's an unsafe website. The hell? What happened to my website? Thinkfang.com. What the hell? Oh, there it is. Okay. 
I tried again and it was there. There was some weird robot saying it didn't exist. Um, yeah, so I I talked about it because of the whole uh, defleeple-flape thing from uh, the last episode, recent episode, right? So I I sort of feel like this form I created of the, the type of poems, it's not really poems. They don't rhyme or anything, but they're essentially like paragraphs that... Um, have their own sort of internal logic and they're very indulgent in terms of making up words and stuff. And, uh, but it's something that as much as I struggle with it and, um, I feel like most of it is not particularly good, but there is, there are good parts in there. So revisiting it, I found stuff. So there's, there were five phases, right? Phase one, superior. Phase two, parking. Phase three, dusk away. Phase four, hurricaner. And phase five, think fang. And yeah. And then, so this book, which I published in 2009, which is on the website, thinkfang.com. The only thing on the website is this PDF file. The very end of the book, the very last um, poem, or whatever you want to call it, Stinkfang one one three three. The hell's up with the kerning? Jeez, young Frankie. Those ones are murder. This was uh, written on um, December second, two thousand seven. Long time ago now, right? Um, right. Oh, was it over over sixteen years ago? So here's what it says: the very last one, the final piece of in this book. Two hundred nine times six equals one thousand two hundred and fifty four. A note left by me long ago. Idea that maybe 1254 would be a good end point for all this. Fourteen months and I am back. Funny thing to have a work like this just in suspension. Want to do something with it. I did make a book of it for a little while, but that was a long time ago. And this part extends it. So that was sort of the end of the book, right? Talking of, And that was 1,133. And we're talking about getting to 1,254, which is not that much more. I think it's another 121 of these little poems. But that was 16 years ago. So 10 years later, or 9 and some years later, on uh, February 17th, 2017, I made a note of this that, that we were going to be, you know, so that's why I call it Wychok Revival. And as I mentioned earlier, Wychok is a, it says Think Fang continues. Wychok is specifically meant, why do I feel like I need to continue this thing that is long dead as a concept? Why am I going to make it chock full of more poems? Wychok. So phase six is Wychok. And 209 times six. Not that there's 209 poems in each one, but yeah. So. I started off in February 2017, which is still a long time ago now, right? And I, I, I did about, in 2017, I did, scrolling here, I did 33 of these things and then just kind of stopped. S- then, back in May of 2021, I, I, I brought it back, right? Because uh, I think this was a po- uh, the poem that was on a piece of show art. Yeah, Over the Nightscape 1817. Um, this one, yeah, so this is May 13th, 2021. 
Say You Win the Rat Race, that, that one. And then after that, the next one I made was in April 2022, right? And I just had a few of these that were all, they were, there was all these notes and they were work in progress. It was a big mess. So I decided to clean it up and continue on. And now I've written all this stuff since then. I think I could get to the, to the end point of uh, 1254. So let's start reading from 1166, which is the last one from 2017. You're into my flume, Paris caravan. That one. And then jumping ahead to 2021. Yeah, so I will read this one. Uh, this is number, this is uh, May 13th, and this was on a show art of the Overnightscape. Say you win the rat race, then what? Join the caravan to the next stage. You can bet your bippy there are vending machines in heaven. Um, let's just step back for a second. Synchronicity alert, that's from Laughing, and I don't already mention Laughing on this show. You bet your bippy is, at least. I would hope there's vending machines in heaven, by the way. Why wouldn't there be? My Kirschwasser shell is almost empty and has no answers, man. Try the Overnightscape 1817 instead. Very humble and groovy inside your head. I'd like an 80s Walden books bag, the woodcut one. By the way, I did find that. I, I do have that now. I have one of them. I don't know where it is, but I have that bag. A phenomenon is those four making it to the next level. Conrad awoke. The door to the paddywhack was open. And there was no one to stop him. That was cool because it continued a story from a song from the Fuzzy Dolphner era back around 2000, 2001. So let's move forward here. Uh, now we're in 2022. Wychok 1168, April 28th, 2022. Ecology Barn Backstage, Puppet Show, Future Disco Millionaires. And here we have 1169, the same day. YU is base 36 of 1254, 209 times 4, the projected endpoint. At the entrance to the ride in the 90s, a moody street scene in miniature, past the railing, at an impasse, you impact. How can superior still be a thing? Postlude amperage, postluding aspirin, am lime all the time, you am lime. This is not going well, 1254 is a long way to go. Polluting albatry, no, this is not a good superior. Amlim was a city in the little world of racetracks. That one was kind of all over the place. And now we're jumping ahead to uh, 2023, right? So that's last year. When uh, Wychok 1170s is from January 18th, 2023. So it was exactly a year ago. Though Photomat as a... Sorry, let me start again. Though Photomat as a castle and the road down... The dream of rants in mundane spaces, pouring discontinued flavors into the system. And I think I did use that phrase as a, sh as a show title, right? Pouring discontinued flavors into the system. I thought that was a pretty cool phrase. Now, a few days later, uh, we have 1171, January 31st, 2023. Gone zoning, clearing, head arc, cleaning. ONS hyphen UG. Far memory of ice cream place and fields and rich area and strings of lights. Yeah, obviously I was I, I, I was all I was all out of steam when it came to writing these things. So let's jump ahead to uh, 
four days ago. Why chalk eleven seventy two? January twelfth, twenty twenty four. Cleaning up the mess from last year's work on it. It was work in progress, but we are gonna scramble on upward, okay? Wychalk one one six eight four nineteen twenty two work in progress oh three five. Ecology Barn Puppet Show Backstage Future Billionaires perhaps but the disco futurism of the children's television with yet more puppets. Some disco futurism in the Ecology Barn puppet extravaganza. They became mil they became millionaires, but the rub was they realized they were fictional kids. So that was sort of this work in progress thing that was a big mess that I sort of added things to. And now we're on to Saturday where the big stuff happened. So this is all from Saturday and let's uh, let's go. Let's see let's see how I did. I, I thought that there were some some bright spots in this in this uh, situation here. Vantacona. This morning's made up word while shaving. Looping was lovely for adorn. Lassos in neon. Cyberpunk Old West Atrium, dream of the escape. General store for a wealth of motion. Kinky arcades. Moments of comfort considering the typefaces of bus companies. What ochre landscape can be a companion for waiting in the car in the rain? So I'd say that one of this form was, is a little better. 1174. Crazy Bingo. Mule Team Oak Tag, Zeptoke Nuke, Foreign Transparencies, Lobros Parts May Still Be In, Winker Smog Industries, Epics of Nonsense in Blue Pen, I Was Thereabouts. I like that one. There's a lot of, I don't know if I, I need to like analyze all these, but like, you know. Zeptoke Nuke is specifically Led Zeppelin songs about Tolkien, Middle Earth. Zeptoke Nuke. Anyway, and epics of nonsense in blue pen. That's all my. I still have my so many of my old uh, notebooks from my youth, and they are epics of nonsense in blue pen. Anyway, let's move on to eleven seventy five. The Winker Smonk alliances. When testing out all the new screensavers was the best. Characters who carry a barrel. I'm thinking, maybe it should be something grand. Grand Magic Amperage. Say, maybe it was something that could have found its start there. What the hell? That's an interesting one. 1176. Wonkif Monost. The ultimate messenger bag called Harpy Clay Pits. Need for super news again? In no way. Serpentuples. Washing plastic chargers. And at least it's morning. If you go back to the 80s, make sure to attend the grand opening of the first Kinko's copies. It's not like other things. Formal event, but I have pewter monster figurines in my inside pocket. I laugh at all the pretenders. My dream of the jug band symphonies with a scrap of tape that held together all our cardboard castles and our our pagodas. And still the pretenders persist. I like a lot of things in here, you know. I think this is a good one. The ultimate messenger bag called Harpy Clay Pits. I just completely made that up. You know. there, again, to analyze this stuff would take too long, but there's a lot going on here. How about 1177? See, I, this was like a burst of creativity, I'm telling you. It should not 
have been such a big argument whether or not to parody the melancholy cover on our flyer. 500 stop-motion owls is a good use of the new tech, where a backlit waterfall opens like curtains to reveal it. Display Alps ID. Walking past that doomed Krispy Kreme at WTC Summer 2001, I still want to free roam the original crazy taxi city on foot. Little 9-11 reference there. I like that. Walking past that doomed Krispy Kreme at WTC Summer 2001. Yeah. I always walked past the Krispy Kreme there. Then it was doomed to be destroyed on 9-11. 1178. <clears throat> Regarding the biology of a hyperdimensional entity. <clears throat> Maybe all biology is just so many pixels on your device. Don thy techno... Don thy techno... Sorry. Don thy techno shades to blend in. Let it be what it wants to be, this conference. Did Pebbles Flintstone ever get any older than her obscure teen years? The occult detergent in industrial canisters, equivalent to a calm equivalent to a calm midnight in nineteen sixty eight, phase six. Yeah, I like that one. I like the occult detergent. In industrial canisters equivalent to a calm midnight in 1968. By the way, Pebbles Flintstone did get a little older. Uh, she married Bam Bam and they had children of their own and there was a like Holly Rocket by Baby I think was the name of this special so to answer that. Also uh, from the previous one uh, yeah, the uh, Kinko's copies opened in the 70s not the 80s but the, the, that that doesn't matter. I'm not going to correct it. It's not wasn't meant to be like that. The important Pebbles Flintstone question in this one. Yeah. Eleven seventy nine. Kimmy of the three went into the simulation. A had been addicted in the past and didn't want to seem to be encouraging her. C supported her via tangent connection. The complex scenario. Target avatar could not be directly gotten to. A series of revised timelines with alternate players, stacked players, till finally she was the only one left. That one has a bit more of like a storyline going. It's, it's, it's not just so random. <laughs> 1180. Omni Capitanet. Zoom Trevor. Nautical Omnipresence. Kylie Kincaid. Triangular Tiling. Moonspangled ways. A few interesting things there. How about 1181? <clears throat> oh, by the way, we're now on to the next day. We're <coughs> it's now Sunday the 14th. I did two of them. <coughs> All right, here's 1181. Project-wise, hidden aspects of the experiential quality, that back path out of the college on an overcast day that's warmer than we expected. Ever modularity. Some back way out of the cafe, do I stutter? The sleek, in first moments, cavern, testing the mascot ampule. The fog on the ground and black background, when character enters a mental space, a vision, and talk to the vague mentor. But is the cameraman the mentor's cousin? There's a few things in there I like. 1182. This is also Sunday. Oh, I even wrote one today. Did I write one today? Uh, 1182. 
<coughs> parchment excuse me let's start again parchment of the monochrome highway divider faded green wallensack tape recorders and wang computers stay in fictional hotels and ride in the sidecar of the fictional motorcycle gong the shave cream later the plastic packaging of a comforter as a makeshift tote the vectors between snowflakes in a place where time has been frozen and as we arrive at the train station the tunnel underneath western dreams it's all right now we're on to monday which was yesterday got two yesterday <coughs> someone <coughs> some pieces in here are like <coughs> Moving stripes on cops of the Bianca of Monkery. Wait, I better say that better. Moving stripes on cops of the Bianca of Mockery. Shampoo Guardian lean to Jojo Camera Allspice. Gonna wing it. Not much film left. And cavorting or looming. I can Imperial Trash Can Ambeca. It did not take long to bring in the trash can. If weird, Coke Black and Starbucks Shantico. A symphony of ColecoVision looping. Tampering of wise, sorry, tampering of wise old Arkstar intersloopy. In ways, the computer age is the Forester. I think there's some good stuff in there. I like I like that first line: moving stripes on cops of the Bianca of mockery. And uh, I really like uh, tampering of wise old Arkstar intersloopy. At least I'm amused by this stuff. I'm mentioning obscure products like Coke Black and Starbucks Chantico and Imperial Trash Can Ambeca. I don't know what Ambeca is sort of like combining like Amber and Rebecca or something. I don't know. Two more to go. Also, this also yesterday, 1184. Oh, yeah, this, this, yeah, I remember this one. Well, I hope so. I just did it yesterday. Old Independence Concourse. Wait, let's start again. Old Independence Concourse Mope by Golly. Darius, Taito, 1986. I may have played it at Rockaway Mall back then, but more likely was Life Force, Konami, 1986. Though I do have much more vague memories of playing a widescreen game like Darius at some kind of arcade, maybe down the Jersey Shore, late 80s. What sense is there to attempts to adventure if reality is edited to smooth out the rough edges? But adventure is always an admirable attempt. Yeah. Um, and finally here, the one from today. I think I started it the other day and I finished it today. Okay, 1185 from today. Do I remember this one? Oh, yeah, kind of, yeah. An ore, <clears throat> an ore painted of psychedelic pattern, but of much higher quality than I had anticipated. Online shopping for aquarium pagodas. I don't have an aquarium, but it's a fun thought experiment to collect such things. Inclusion of alchemical and zodiac symbols and hippie garb as a starting point, but new symbols purely as a fashion statement with no meaning at all. Community nocturnal, ever a sable video game mascot, four-dimensional sweatshirts, bogaho. Yeah. <coughs> so that was the pagoda thing. I actually started doing that. There's so many aquarium pagodas you can get, and imagine if you collected them without having an aquarium. You're just like, no, I don't, have, I don't have fish. I'm just an aquarium. I'm an aquarium pagoda collector. <laughs> yes, the exciting new field of aquarium pagoda collecting. 
where the dog was a, a panic of dog in a pagoda. I, I, what, what I almost forget how that one goes. A dog, a panic in a pagoda. There you go. Yeah. And I have some notes for the next one. I'll just, uh, it's not done yet, so. Or I could just say that it's done now and it'll be like, uh, yeah. Well, let's finish it. Let's actually, let me write one now. So it starts off Fictional Cities Wiki, That New Exotica Moonshot, Loader Toad Mechanicu. That's a tough one. <laughs> They're all tough. Come on. Because it's not doing too well so far. No, I think this one needs needs some more work. So we'll we'll I'll, I got to keep working on that. I don't I don't want to force it. I don't want to force it. Anyway, I've been amusing myself with this stuff, and we're at eleven eighty five. So if if we get the little calculator here, see how many more of these are till till it's done. Sixty nine more. To sixty. So after this one, it'd be sixty eight. Wow. So I think it's that's a lot of poems, but I don't know. But as you can see, there's good stuff mixed in there. A lot, some of it's not so good. Ah, what do you want? I, 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 I don't think there is any good poetry out there, is there? I don't know. Anyways, with that, I'd like to say thank you so much for patching in to this episode of The Overnightscape. I'm your host, Frank Edward Nora. <coughs> We're here in Onsug Radio. Broadcasting from inside the book. Just go to onsug.com. That's O-N-S-U-G dot C-O-M. And you'll be on the site. And you can get all the latest shows. You can uh, listen to the complete archive of over 14,000 hours of content. It's all free. We're a non-commercial project. We're very focused on preserving our work into the near and far future. And we have kind of a unique style as well. You can buy the book. Just click on where it says get the book. Click on that. And you can uh, buy the book on Amazon <coughs> or download the free PDF version or both. And uh, you can buy it here. Currently in the United States, it costs $12.59 cheap. The lowest price I can charge for it. In the spirit of it being non-commercial, I'm not making any money on this. And being so cheap, I maybe you can buy multiple copies as... Uh, Neil in Ireland bought a copy, and uh, he's put a picture of his cat. Let me find that right now. I, I wanted to give him credit where credit's due. Thank you so much, Neil. Um, hmm. Let me see. <clears throat> yes. Here is Neil. <laughs> it's a great picture. It was the, uh, <laughs> the orange cat looking, like, really, like, reading the book, like, intently looking and reading the, the Onsug radio book. And this is what Neil has to say. Eldest son, Bowsy II, chilling at home in good spirits, about to start chemo and delicious steroids. Bowsy has never been able to enjoy audio podcasts because modern earbuds do not cater to his form factor and keep falling out. Delighted with new print edition. Chili, the cat on the back cover with a Rubik's Cube, is assuming is assumed to be more intelligent half-brother. I am not the father, but did feed him like one of my own. But he never even solved it and couldn't read. Eye roll emoji. <laughs> yeah, Neil's picture is a cat on the back of the uh, the book. 
Thank you. And it's such a great picture of seeing the book. It's over there in Ireland. The cat is reading it. It's amazing. It's amazing stuff. Anyway, am I going to watch all these videos? Look at that. how many tabs do I have open of all these different videos? I'm just flitting from video to video and finding new things to watch. At least I finished the mad, 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 mad comedians. Yes. Anyways, as I mentioned, Central is back. You, yes, you are invited. I believe the next deadline is going to be uh, February 10th, right? February 10th, 2024. Um, please record. The topics you can choose from, one, two, or th all three, you can choose old-time rock and roll, old-time religion, and old-time radio. Just record something, send it in to DaveKY at MAIL.com, and uh, you will be on the show. We would love to hear from you. And now it is time to peaceful cartoon international anthems, gentle open world driving on the snowy pointless late afternoon called Chemical Teen J here in The Other Side. The Loch Ness Expedition is the first of many adventures to be developed by the iWorks and Evans and Sutherland team. All right, team, you're now in place and moments from departure. Your mission is to provide assistance to Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster, by collecting at least one of her eggs. You are part of a team of six scientists exploring the mysterious Loch Ness in search of Nessie and her endangered eggs. The three other teams taking part in your adventure appear on your screen as evil bounty hunters. The goal is to rescue Nessie's eggs from threatening sea creatures and the bounty hunters. Each team must work together to locate and retrieve the eggs while fending off the other ships. Someone's shooting at us. What's that? Oh, 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 what? what is it? Blue
it's Satch, Knock Knock, Scooter, and Scat Cat. And for suspense, mystery, and adventure, it's The Skatebird Show.
Thank you.